1: This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Maynard. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy.
0: It's the new year, fellas. It's the new year. Welcome in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at Show. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel to catch every episode that we have. Download us on your favorite pod streaming app that catches on your commute. And as always, you can fire us up on your Fire TV and Android devices when you search for the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Amazon App Store. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. You're not going to be able to see my face. My goal is to try to get through this entire show with this staying on my head between the glasses and the hat. I think that's going to be the balancing act in and of itself today. But I'm also joined with Chris Dowhauer. Chris, how are you, man?
2: I'm, I'm enjoying the outfit and I'm I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm celebrating quite as much as you are over there, but doing pretty well today.
0: Don't worry, I have another hat and another pair of glasses for tomorrow's show when Chaz Flaherty joins us for the MDs DFS contest and lock bets of the week. Yes, it's the same schedule as last week, the holiday schedule. We do that show on a Thursday night and we do a full preview, a full week 17 preview here for you guys tonight. So probably two hours, two hours and 15 minutes, something along those lines. But we're going to do all the games for you guys right now. That's why I want to make sure you catch this episode all throughout the week in case you don't get to listen to all of it right off the bat. But before we dive into it and all, all jokes aside, I, I'd be remiss if we did at least mention the passing of John Madden, what he meant to football, what he meant to NFL gaming. And it goes far past him, his, his success as a coach, which was a tremendous success, obviously. But what he did for the game, is popularity today part of it has to be attributed to John Madden and what he was after his coaching career, not to mention the greatness he was during his coaching career. Chris, you and I grew up in the generation of the early Sega Genesis Madden games that we got to enjoy and now move into what everybody enjoys today. Uh, what What are your comments and thoughts?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you talked about it really well about John Madden being such an impactful person, both on and off the field. I mean, this guy was one of the best coaches of all time winning percentage wise was a maverick on the field, um, tremendous play caller, did well, extremely well, retired early at a young age, um, become, you know, get into announcing, and was basically a a person I grew up on, both listening to on football uh, podcasts and Thursday night football and Thanksgiving, as well as as listening to and playing his video game, as you talked about. I was talking yesterday on BFL show that, to me, John Madden, you know, impacted a lot off the field, not only with the video game, but kind of introduced a lot of fantasy in a lot of ways to us. It kind of gave that reality of you know tracking players and putting and kind of putting yourself in somebody else's shoes and kind of managing a team, so to speak. And fantasy kind of took off along with that. So I think there's a big part of John Madden in fantasy football as well.
0: Yeah, 100%. It does stem from video games and being able to participate in the NFL in other ways. So very sad to see him go. I just think it was, I just thought it was kind of strange. Uh, I don't know if that's the right word for it. Documentary because everything yeah, else is. Yeah, we had the All of... Madden on Christmas Day. He passes away on Tuesday. Uh, I'm just kind of glad, hopefully, he was watching it on Saturday. I'm just kind of glad that was that was out there at least before he passed away, uh, even though it was only days before. But it was just, it was very strange to see that how that happened that way. But we got to get back to fantasy football. It's the championship week. Hopefully, you're in a real league where this is the only championship week that you're going to have not have it also in week 18 but never fear the MD's famous football show I said this on Monday Chris we get to make fun of the amateur hour leagues as I like to call them for week 18 because we'll do shows for them we're still going to help them out we're still going to give our analysis we're still going to be here for one more week so we get to make fun of them along the way but we'll be back tomorrow or next week on Monday with a recap on Tuesday morning with the waiver wire show back next Wednesday. I think I might keep our holiday schedule intact for one more week, just because it is the last week. There's no reason to carry it on. There aren't too many people listening at that point. So we'll see what happens, but the one show that's going to carry on not just next week, but throughout the playoffs will be the MDs DFS contest and lock bets of the week with Mr. Chaz Filarty. So that show is not going anywhere until Super Bowl week, just so everybody uh, knows the MD's fantasy football show will still be available to you guys for the upcoming weeks to win you guys some money and also DFS lineups, which will be part of the real fantasy football game left at that point. Okay. Let's, let's get into our Sunday matchups. Cause there's no Thursday game. It's throwing me off a little bit this week. There's no, th- I have nothing to look forward to tomorrow. We have all this ample time to just overanalyze our lineups setting into the week. The biggest thing you can do is follow us on social media at show because the only thing you're going to have available to you is the player news notifications. Now, I'll say this, Chris. The one thing I've noticed this week is that we've had a lot more players coming back from COVID than going on COVID for a change.
2: Yeah, well, I think you're going to see with the rules change that kind of the NFL introduced this past week. Um, You're going to see a lot of players come back and you're going to see guys that might have missed games or thought were going to miss games going to be able to return. You saw Cole Beasley return. You saw Gabriel Davis return. Um. So you see a lot of these guys with the new rules that basically you just have to uh, show improvement if you test, you know, if you're <clears throat> if you pass tested positive, but you're showing improvement in your symptoms, then you can still play so that they're no longer forcing you to stay out for, you know, 10 days if you're not vaccinated and only five days if you were vaccinated. Now it's going to go basically based off your symptoms in a lot of ways.
0: Can the NFL just do what it wants to do and just not care? Because that's clearly what the, what the case is. They're doing everything they can to be like we somewhat care about this disease spreading, but at the same time, we're trying to do everything in our power, whether you're vaccinated or not, to just get you out there on the field. Like, can we, can we just call it a day? Like, just just like, look, everyone has COVID, exposed to COVID, just go play. Because clearly, you don't actually care. Because they're not basing this off of anything, and they're just making it off as they go anyway. I mean, am I wrong here?
2: I mean, I don't think so, but I think society's kind of following suit as well. Society seems to kind of not want to go back and lock down or worry about it either. They just wants to kind of keep keep it moving. So I, I think also they have to kind of be, you know, to blame as, as well as the NFL.
0: You get the NBA and the NHL are shutting down games. NFL is like, uh, how do we get the guys on the field faster without looking like we totally don't care whatsoever. But that's the NFL for you. Speaking of, all right, let's get into the Falcons and the Buffalo Bills. So the Bills had big COVID news on their side because because of these new protocols, guess who's back? Cole Beasley, Gabriel Davis. They went from being out on Tuesday to being back on Wednesday. See how that worked out there. So as a result, the Isaiah McKenzie call I had during the waiver wire report expired very, very quickly as far as that being actual news. He won't be a thing, obviously. They go back to having their full plethora of weapons. You're obviously starting a Josh Allen. You're obviously starting a Stephon Diggs. And I have to say, probably tight ends go, you're, st- you're starting a-, a Dawson Knox. Few guys have higher touchdown upside against Atlanta. Here's what I know for you, Chris. How high is Devin Singletary's ceiling now that he's proven the past couple of weeks to kind of be the lead guy as far as touches go?
2: Yeah, I still don't love the ceiling. I still think that he's a guy that you're worried about just seeing game flow and being utilized Um, I know that he's getting the majority of the touches, but we saw Matt Breida kind of be a flavor of the week. We saw Zach Moss take that role. So I don't trust necessarily anything, particularly in a championship game. Um, A lot of people are playing in this week that I would not want to have Devo Singletary and be banking on him to have a high upside. I think at most you're looking for a flex
0: option. I got about RB19. So I have a solid starting RB2. The, The reason is this. We've now seen it two different ways. The first, take this back two weeks. It was Matt Breda, not Zach Moss, active. Devin Singletary stole the show. Last week, Matt Breida was inactive, Zach Moss active, and Devin Singletary out-touched him 12-2 to as far as the carries are concerned. It looks like, to me, they have decided they will, in fact, just let Devin Singletary be the lead guy. And because this is a matchup against Atlanta, and he also catches the football, I actually think Devin Singletary is a low end RB2. Now, I don't know how much upside he has from there, but he's got a good chance to get 15 touches and a touchdown in this matchup. And that's pretty much what you look for out of an RB2. Yeah,
2: I mean, if that's what you definitely would love to get from RB2, I just think that you got, you're going to hope that you get that kind of volume. I think 12 touches is more than likely what you're probably going to get. You're just going to need to get that touchdown to kind of save the day.
0: As far as the wide receivers, do you care about anybody else not named Stephon Diggs? Or should I say this? Do you trust anybody else not named Stefan Diggs? Because there's a road way for all these guys to kind of perform if they get the right volume. Now, do you have Cole uh, Cole Beasley and a Gabriel Davis back? But are you going to trust anybody in a championship week?
2: Yeah, I think if you're in a full-point PPR league, you can trust Cole Beasley because you kind of saw McKenzie have that, you know, Glorified pass or running game role in the passing game last week. I think Cole Beasley kind of gets that role versus Atlanta. That's kind of why I think Scalteri's limited with his ceiling. And then I think you look at Gabriel Davis, a guy who was you know, more one of the hotter players and hotter receivers until he went out for COVID. He, he has an opportunity to at least score a touchdown or have a big play for you. So he might be somebody you can put as a receiver three option or a flex option. I think there's the two guys that you can consider putting in your lineup. Uh, Buffalo is one of those teams that no matter how much they're kind of up, doesn't stop throwing the ball. They prefer to throw the ball as much as possible. So you got a chance for you know one of those guys to have a decent floor with Cole Beasley having the opportunity to have the volume and the receptions. And then Gabriel Davis having the kind of the more upside opportunity with a big play and a touchdown.
0: Yeah, I like Gabriel Davis more from a DFS standpoint, not necessarily from a championship redraft or even if you're trying to win it even dynasty league, unless you're in a deeper league and you just need options at that point. That's always possible too. We move back to the Atlanta side. Can you play a Cordell Patterson? That is the question that I feel the most so far this week on paper going up against a tough Buffalo Bills defense. But if you actually look over the past month, one of the worst rush defenses in the NFL, but that's not Cordell Patterson's issue. Cordell Patterson's issue is usage. He's splitting carries with Mike Davis. He's not getting the targets, even though he is running the routes. If they are up or down in a significant way, come the second half, they're resting him because I He's apparently not 100% back from that high ankle sprain. Really hasn't been the same player since he's had that high ankle sprain. Chris, can you play him? I do have an RB24 just because, again, Buffalo lately has been a matchup you can take advantage of, and I just don't know where else offense is going to come from consistently for Atlanta.
2: Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I, mean, I know Cordell Patterson's been disappointed in the last two weeks, and you definitely have the, you know, the lack of touches you have similar playing time, which he's been splitting his carries with Davis pretty much the entire season of 50-50 or 60-40 for the most part, as it has been. Um, you just see the you know, cut back in touches, as you kind of talked about. I do think that there's definitely concerns about the injury. I think that he kind of, you know, maybe utilized some of that adrenaline to get back that first game where we saw him kind of get back way earlier than we expected him to be, had a good game, and since then has the basically nothing. I do think that you've been, it's been about three or four weeks now, which usually typically should be the rest period for that high ankle spring. So you have a better chance of Cordell Patterson being kind of quote-unquote healthy because of limited usage over the last few weeks that you should have him in your lineup this week because I agree with you. Buffalo's going to score points. Atlanta's going to have to kind of match that in some kind of way. Cordell Patterson's their best chance to do so.
0: I will play Russell Gage as a wide receiver three. is my wide receiver 28. Again, just going back to volume, slot receiver usually a good place to attack Buffalo if you're going to attack them at all. And then Kyle Pitts, I don't expect a big game out of Kyle Pitts. Buffalo's been tough against tight ends. But you go back to volume, options available to you. He still winds up being a top 10 tight end for me, even though I would probably have my expectations lowered on what I think his ceiling could be.
2: Yeah, I feel like we talk about this every week about the tight end position. And if you're not getting one of those top elite options, a lot of these guys are crapshoots. And Kyle Pitts is one of those better crapshoots you can kind of have in your lineup now. So I think you keep riding them. I think there's no reason you change this week if you've been kind of having it unless you have a better option, maybe Cole Clement, maybe so you added lately to your roster. But otherwise, I think Kyle Pitts is a nice play.
0: Apparently, Vegas does not think Atlanta is going to score at, like, at all this game. Uh, the line is minus 14 and a half in favor of Buffalo in Buffalo. Now, I expect them to win, but minus 14 and a half, and you have an over under of 44. Those two things usually do not mix that low of an over under with that big of a point spread. I can't take, I'm going to say no contest. I can't take Buffalo on that big of a point spread. There's been too many times this year where they've played down to their competition. We saw it with Houston. We saw it with a couple other teams at the same time. I can't say Atlanta's going to cover a 14 and a half because we've seen them against superior teams. Just not put up points. So I can't, I'm going to say, actually say no contest. If anything, I take the over-under 44. I do think Atlanta will be able to do enough to get 17 to 20 points in this game, if nothing else, in garbage time and allow Buffalo to score. So I do think this game goes over the 44 mark. So that's where I would place my money at.
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see the kind of game unfolds. Um, I think Buffalo should be two touchdown favorites, and if you're going to bet on this game, which I don't necessarily advise you have to because I don't think it's going to pay out that wonderfully, but I would take Buffalo in this game. I do think they can cover the spread. I do think they're better than Atlanta. If this game was in Atlanta, it might be a different story, but I think think Buffalo's going to be able to handle them easily. I think they're a bad matchup for this Atlanta team.
0: Chris, what is with the NFL? Thinking that there are college programs that can play two quarterbacks in a game, and it's okay. The Giants, one of the latest teams, of one of the few teams we're going to talk about tonight who are going down that line, oh, both Mike Lennon and Jake Fromm are preparing to start. Jake Fromm started for like half a second before they yanked him for Mike Lennon last week, so I can't believe he's actually still in the mix here, having said all that, but the Giants offense is a complete mess. The only thing to talk about, I believe, is Saquon Barkley, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but... That's the only thing to talk about, and he's only somewhat interesting because Chicago is the best matchup he's frankly had in the last few weeks. Remember, it's not just, yes, he's bad, or he's not as exposed this year. The offensive line's been bad. They also have not had the greatest of matchups for running backs in general over the past couple of weeks either. It's probably the best one they've had. But even against Chicago, what can you trust out of him? I don't, I don't buy into know. the one target. Uh, one second. I don't buy into the one target that he had last week as being a thing. What happened that game, they got down by a bunch. They just benched him in the second half because there's no reason to just keep throwing him to the wolves. He had the plan was to give the ball to Quan Barkley because he had 15 carries. 12 of them came in the first half. So I do believe he'll get more involved in the pass game, especially if Mike Glennon is a starter, which I anticipate would be the case heading into the game. So the usage for me keeps him at RB eighteen. But I don't know how much you want to trust it or how much of a ceiling is really there. Go
2: ahead. Yeah, I think I would be nervous about having Saquon Barkley in your lineup this week. Um, he didn't practice today. I know it could just be a maintenance thing. But as you talked about, he didn't play the entire second half for the most part. You did see Devonta you uh, saw Booker get almost 55% of the snaps last week. Um, and, you know that part of that was because the game was basically out of reach. But the Giants' season's out of reach. And I don't really know what the Giants are trying to play for necessarily right now. And I think it could be easy for them to shut down Saquon, and I think they already should. I think a lot of teams need to pay attention to what happened to James Robinson this past weekend and start kind of reigning in some guys who might be banged up and start throwing them out there if you have nothing to play for. And I think Saquon Brockley is one of those guys, if you want him to kind of be a part of your your team moving forward and you're going to bring you know judge back as the rumor kind of is and Daniel Jones, if you're gonna have him, those two guys back, in Saquon Barkley, you want a healthy Saquon going the next year. So I think there's a good chance that he is limited in his touches this this week, regardless if he plays or not. I wouldn't be surprised if they try to, you know, think about maybe shutting him down for us this season sooner than later.
0: Well, they already came out and said they're not going to do that. They already came out and said they are not going to shut down Saquon Barkley for the rest of the year. And you know what? I don't know for sure that Saquon Barkley is definitely a part of their plans. Why? Because I don't know for sure what organization is going to be part of the future for the New York Giants. Plus, he's a free agent on top of it. So there's just a lot of things unknown. I think that's the big reason why they don't shut him down. They want to try to have a chance to be competitive out there, a chance to hit a big play. Because Joe Judge is coaching for his career, is or at least for next you know, being next, head coach next season possibly, I, those things are on the line, so they're not going to shut down Saquon Barkley. And they've already said as such. yeah. today, with that, they actually had, I believe it was eight players that sat out today's practice, all listed with injuries, but all expected to be more of maintenance days. Kadarius Tony was one of those guys. Kenny Galladay, a few guys on defense. There was a lot of guys that were listed out as practice that didn't seem to be too much concern over their actual availability come, you know, Sunday afternoon. Mistake wasn't want I care about. Do we care about Kadarius Tony at all? I know he had eight targets. People get excited about him, but I don't know how you trust a pass catcher.
2: No, as you just talked about, I mean, they're basically have no quarterback up right now. And as a result, I'm not trusting any pass. I don't trust anybody in this offense period. Giants haven't scored a touchdown. I think what one touchdown per game in the last three weeks, I think that's what they're most they've scored is 13 points in three weeks. So, no, I'm not touching anybody in this offense right now. I think that they're – right. I think this season's over for the Giants. I think offensively has been for a while, and the quarterback place is a great example of how just bad it really has gotten. Jake Fromm was a joke last week. I'm like Nate Peterman out there basically in the first half. That's why he got benched so quickly. Mike London didn't know better and just continues to be, you know, struggling as he has the entire time. So I think this offense has a little of no hope moving forward this week.
0: Yeah, again, Barkley, if he's active, I do expect him to get back to the target volume, which keeps him at a low end RB2. But, man, you're not excited about it heading into this week. We move on the Chicago side. David Montgomery, he's kind of another one uh, better than Barkley, but and has usage that I can actually trust a little bit more. However, he hasn't shown off a big ceiling. Here's what I will say to that, though. Dexter Lawrence did go on the COVID-19 list. We don't know if he's going to play. That's defensive tackle for the New York Giants. They're all ready to plead on defense. If David Montgomery can't have a big week this week, I don't know when he would. He comes to my RB12 this week. He is a low-end RB1, high-end RB2. His usage has been great. I don't care who the quarterback is. His usage has been great. Would you prefer to be an Andy Dalton or a Nick Foles for those extra targets that you get probably but Justin Fields came back to practice today so we expect him to be the starting quarterback David Montgomery is the Chicago Bears offense right now there's no way you're not playing him and I actually think he's got a chance for a decent ceiling the bigger question is this can you play a Darnell Mooney even though an Allen Robinson plans on being active for this game
2: yeah I think if you've been interested in playing Darnell Mooney this whole you know year there's no reason that should change now I mean there just because Alan Robinson might be active. He hasn't been involved this offense in weeks. It hasn't been something they've used this entire year. So I wouldn't worry worry about him stealing Darnell Mooney's targets this week.
0: Well, I asked that question because he, he does. Even though he's not productive, Darnell Mooney does see on average three less targets a game when Alan Robinson is out there on the field than when he's not. Darnell Mooney, however, has operated as the lead receiver regardless of Allen Robinson being out there on the field, especially with Justin Fields as the quarterback. So I do have him at wide receiver 28. I have him as a wide receiver three, but I don't have him for a high ceiling, even though it's against the Giants that you would necessarily want. I think this is a guy that I go into this game. I expect five to seven targets out of, I expect at least five catches, 50 to 70 yards. The question will be, does he get a touchdown or maybe does he break a big play off of that? But that comes into my wide receiver three range, but he's not the home run hitter you'd want him to be against this New York Giant team. At least that's where I'm standing on this myself.
2: Well, I don't think he's been the home run hitter for most of the season. I think Darnell Mooney's been kind of a consistent guy that can get you between four to seven catches and you're hoping succeeding, you know, sixty to eighty yards, net range. You're hoping for the touchdown opportunity. He doesn't have a huge, you know, ceiling a lot of times, with all about his speed and his ability and be able to break things. This Chicago offense is an explosive. So that's not really gonna be something you're really worried about necessarily for that part. But I do think Darnell Mooney is going to continue to be operating as the receiver one as you kind of talked about. Bradbury is a pretty tough matchup. So I mean, he's not, he's not, you know, easy out there necessarily. Pick easy pickings for those guys versus some of the secondary players versus the Giants. So I do think he has a decent floor, but I think the ceiling is definitely limited. I think Chicago's offense is limited. Both his offenses are going to be limited. So I mean, you're not too excited about anybody really in this game other than the running backs, possibly.
0: Cole Komet is my tight end twelve, but Don't hear what I'm not saying. Cole Komet is the same tight end that at 12 that there is at 16. They're all the same. Maybe they do a little bit for you. The one thing I like about Komet and why he makes my top 12 and is technically a low-end tight end one for me this week is that he's just been getting more increasingly involved in the offense overall, where he has a target share that you're looking for when you just need a tight end with a base floor. The problem he has, apparently he's not allowed to score touchdowns because Jimmy Graham, has to come in and you know make a million dollars a touchdown, so to speak, with his contract left. And that's kind of taking away his overall ceiling. But, uh, Chris, I mean, is Colt Komet, is he, is he a streamable option for you?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, this guy's been averaging between four to seven catches over the last month or so. He has definitely basically the second mouth to feed in the passing game on this offense. It's not the first mouth to feed sometimes when the receivers aren't involved necessarily. I think you talked about Montgomery has a chance of a big game. He's letting his tight ends have opportunity to have a, a you know, get off in some sense because team has got to pay attention to the running back position. So I think Colcomit is definitely a streaming option. I agree with you. He doesn't necessarily have the ceiling you're kind of hoping for in a sense because, you know, J- J- Jeremy Green, um, Jimmy Graham is stealing his touches in the red zone. He is kind of vulturing the touch opportunities in some of the bigger plays here or there. But this guy has been involved consistently throughout the game, and you have a nice floor, like I said. And when the guy's – on the few tight ends that you probably can say that you have a decent floor right now with a lot of guys all over the place. It reminds me of a little bit better of Tyler Conklin right now.
0: Yeah, that's not it's not a bad app either. Uh, the last thing I'll, I'll mention about the Bears because I keep hearing this a lot, Justin Fields, streaming quarterback, has been a top 10 quarterback because he's been running more when he's been playing. I do not have him ranked in my streaming territory. Why? Because there's no way – I'm going to find myself trusting Justin Fields in my championship game. And I have reflected my rankings a little bit more this week towards guys that I actually would or would not want to play. Not just I'll always try to be accurate, but not just trying to be accurate more so than the other extras, more just trying to say, Hey, you know what? I'm not going to play this guy in my championship week. I'm not going to roll the dice on that. He's just coming back from the injury. I know it's against the Giants, so it's going to be tempting. I'd rather stream a Taysom Hill type, or if he winds up playing and we're going to get to this later, I might even rather stream a Trey Lance type because I'm going to trust how much more volume he's going to run than a Justin Fields, too. But uh, for me, Fields is not going to be a streaming option. How about for you?
2: I think it depends on what situation you're in, what your options are at the quarterback. I know there's a lot of guys that can be heavy limited right now, which you have available to you. So I think Justin Fields isn't a poor option, necessarily. I think he's got one of the safer floors you can have in your lineups in the championship week. He has been kind of more solid over the last couple of weeks, despite being missing this past week. Um, he is usually running the ball a bit more, throwing a little decently too. And Chicago seems to kind of find be finding a little more of a groove how to utilize him. So I do think he has a safe floor. I think he's somebody you can have in your lineup. I just wouldn't expect necessarily a huge ceiling out of him. Um, but I do think he's one of those guys, because of his rushing prowess, might be a guy you do want to have in your lineup because he might be better than having one of these, you know, some of these throwing quarterbacks who might only get you seven or eight points this week.
0: Yeah, I think there's other options we can go through. with a little bit of a higher ceiling that we can trust. I like a quarterback who can actually maybe give me something in the passing game, not just the rushing game for my championship week. Let's talk about betting this game, though. The Chicago Bears favored at minus six this week. Minus six. Is that enough? With the over under set at thirty seven, by the way. That's a pathetic over under. But <laughs> minus it's six be a horrible game. The Chicago cover.
2: I wouldn't bet on it. If you're asking me, no, I wouldn't
0: bet on it. (laughs) He said, I would not bet on it. You got two horrendous
2: teams for nothing to play for. It's going to be, God knows what's going to happen.
0: (laughs) I will take Chicago to cover because Justin Fields is light years better than anything. The giants are going to throw at the quarterback position. I think David Montgomery might be enough for the bears to actually win this game and win it pretty handedly myself. That's just where I'm coming out on this thing. Uh, Next game that we want to talk about after Chicago bears, is the Cincinnati Bengals, the Kansas City Chiefs. It's got a chance to be a shootout, as most Kansas City Chiefs games do. But I also wouldn't be surprised if we saw the antithesis of what happened with Cincinnati's offense last week against Baltimore, this week against Kansas City's defense, which is... They just keep finding ways to shut guys down. It doesn't always look pretty. It doesn't always make sense with the talent they have and the matchups they have. But Spagnola has these guys all playing at the top of their games. Does that scare you away off of anyone, Chris, on the the Bengals' side? Is there anybody you wouldn't play that you normally would?
2: Um, I think it definitely limits me to the top two guys, the receiver, and definitely just Joe Burrow and, you know, Mixon. I think last week was an aberration where you saw so many guys eat and every guy kind of go off. Um, Joe Burrow, I think, is still a solid option. I wouldn't expect him to necessarily be a top five guy this week, though because he kind of talked about the matchup where the Chiefs have been pretty good defensively over the last month or so, or almost two months now. Um, and Cincinnati hasn't been very consistent offensively. They've had a lot of clunkers or, as of late, and they've also had really struggled to being consistent from back-to-back weeks as well. So I'm kind of really curious to see what offense in the Cincinnati team actually shows up in Kansas City this week. I don't think it necessarily scares me that I wouldn't play Joe Burrow, because you still feel like he's got a decent floor. They still have to score points versus this team. And then you look at you know Jamar Chase, who – basically returned to relevance after just disappearing for the last few weeks um, or six or seven games, I think it had been since he was really relevant. But Jamar Chase is still one of the best home run you can have in your lineup in the championship week. I'm putting him out there versus the Chiefs, and I'm going to have T. Higgins out there because, to me, he's the number one red zone target in this offense. So I think you still kind of feel confident playing the top guys. It might be the under-tier guys where I'm not liking a taller boy. I'm not trusting the tight end position. I'm not going anything extra into this game on Cincinnati's side.
0: No, agreed. I just wanted to recognize the fact that this offense had been a bit inconsistent before that Baltimore game. This Kansas City defense is being pretty Streaming good.
2: consistent, extremely
0: Right. And having said all that, I, there's still no way I'm not playing a Joe Burrow. I got him a QB7. There's no way I'm not playing a Jamar Chase or a T Higgins. I got them both as wide receiver ones, 7 and 8 respectively. And there's no way I'm not playing a Joe Mixon. A Joe Mixon I probably feel the best about. Because the one thing that's been consistent is the fact that they wanted to run the ball with Joe Mixon, especially in neutral or pro game scripts so far to this point. But with the performances that they just had last week... There's no way I feel like you pass up the opportunity to be able to play these guys again. And again, this game does have an opportunity to be a shootout. Travis Kelsey is returning for the Kansas City Chiefs. They'll they'll be back to their full plethora of weapons. Tyreek Hill is saying today that he was actually kind of exhausted coming off of COVID. He would probably be a little bit better in shape, we would think, heading into this week as well. Patrick Mahomes is really the big key. He's been better over the past couple of weeks. Even last week, without really a full-blown Tyreek Hill, and no Travis Kelsey, 258 yards and three touchdowns, and look like he's starting to play his best ball and getting back to more of the Patrick Mahomes we all know and love than what we saw earlier on in the season. So I do think this game has a chance to be high-scoring. Obviously, I'm leaning into Kansas City. Obviously, I'm playing Tyreek Hill. I'm playing Travis Kelsey. I'm playing Patrick Mahomes. The question now becomes, where is Darrell Williams for you? I have him an RB20, but there is a part of me that's a little bit worried that Derek Gore is not going to go away.
2: Oh, I have no fear of Derek Gore. I think that Daryl Williams is a top 15 option, and if you're in a full-point PPR, I think he's a top 10 option. I love him this week. I love the matchup for him versus Cincinnati, who's not going the great against the run. And I think that when he's been their only back back there, outside of Edwards Hilaire, Gore hasn't really been, you know, vulturing too much from him, other than that one game you saw him steal a touchdown. Um, I think as long as Williams is kind of feeling fresh and healthy, and Edwards Hilaire's injury isn't long-term, so he's more likely to be back next week, I think you're going to see plenty of Williams this week. I think Chiefs have a lot to play for to try to make sure they clinch home field advantage. I think they're going to go with the guy they depend on and they trust. That's going to be William Stetson, the guy they'd like to all year long. Um, so I, I love him this week in a smash spot.
0: I do want to be clear on something. The Cincinnati Bengals are actually one of the best teams as far as rushing efficiency goes, playing against it. Um, but what they do is they give up running backs fantasy points in the passing game. That That's kind of the big difference for them, which, which is what you're alluding to when you're talking about half point, full point PPR leagues for Darrell Williams is having a boost floor. I, I definitely agree with you. Again, I have an RB 20. He is a lock it in, must play RB two. The reason I might be a little bit lower than you are, is because there's been too many times where he's been kind of like Clyde's layer when the, there might be the lead back, but they still get left out of the offense for, no rhyme or reason. So just considering that possibility, I do have an RB 20, but you're playing Darrell Williams. There's really nobody on either one of these teams that I wouldn't normally play and feel pretty good about. As far as yeah, being don't, don't,
2: get, don't get greedy. Either. Don't go to Byron Pringle or any of those guys that kind of had. No, 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 right. Week.
0: Well, no Actually, like you said, no Tyler Boyd, no CJ Usama, no, no Byron Pringle, no Miko Hartman. Don't get greedy. Play the key guys outside of that. This isn't because both defenses have played well It doesn't really open up the door for anybody outside of the normal, you know, obvious starts that you would have from these two teams. I totally agree with you there.
1: Whether it's Baker's
0: Simple Truth Turkey or mac and cheese with Murray's English cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays
1: into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone.
0: Hi, I'm Maria.
1: And I'm Mike. And we're Team,
0: Team ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready.
1: It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible.
0: Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather.
1: Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.
0: Let's talk about betting this game. This is interesting. It's in Cincinnati. The Kansas City Chiefs are minus five favorites against Cincinnati. I kind of like that line there. The over under set at 51. Not surprised that we're getting a high over under in this game. I'm not going to take, I'm not going to bet the over or the under, though, because I think you have two teams that play two different ways, drastic styles from week to week to week. I'm Not going to bet the over under. It could go either way. I think it's a good line there. I'm going to take the Bengals plus five, though. I do think this is going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a field goal game. I don't think Kansas City is going to blow them out. And I think Cincinnati has a great chance to win at home because they're a very good team at home. This is an evenly matched ball game, believe it or not, I believe, heading into this matchup. So give me Cincinnati plus the five here.
2: Yeah, I think that if you're going to bet on this game, I think that's probably the way to go. I'm with you. I think this game's going to be close. Um, I do think that you know, it's possible for the Chiefs to win by six or seven. I could definitely see that, and I could definitely see you know Cincinnati winning, uh, losing by four. So I think this is really easy game. I think it's more, more... Odds are that the Cincinnati will probably keep it closer. So I think if you're going to bet on the game, I go with you. But on you know, Cincinnati to kind of not to cover. I'm sorry if not to cover this game.
0: It doesn't hurt, too, when uh, I'm letting it roll with Cincinnati, who's won me my bets last two weeks in a row either. So I'm just going to keep riding that hot train for a little while as well. Let's get into our other game before we hit the break here. we got the Arizona Cardinals, the Dallas Cowboys. we got some good matchups here on, on in the early hour, Chris, at least going into Sunday, going into our championship weeks.
2: This game we'll I'm excited the, about.
0: The, we start on the Arizona side. James Conner didn't practice today. Chase Edmonds was a, a limited participant in practice with a back issue. We're not they don't seem to be very worried about Chase Edmonds. The question is going to be James Conner, who Cliff Kingsbury came out today and said he's still day-to-day and he's going to be a game-time decision. He pretty much said today he's going to be a game-time decision heading into Sunday. So, here's my advice. If he does not practice at all again this week, don't expect him to play. Remember, the Arizona Cardinals have a playoff spot locked up. It's just a matter of can they get the division can they still be in play for the one seed? Although it seems like Green Bay kind of has that well in hand at this point anyway. So they may not feel the need to push a James Conner. This is something you're going to have to make sure you're following us along on social media at BillyFMDFFShow4. we kind got to keep you up to date because if he does not practice, I don't think you are going to be able to expect James Conner to play. Now, I do have them ranked on sports.com at the moment as if he will play because we'll start off with that and I'll update this thing as we go. I have them both as high end RB3s heading into this matchup. I don't think I should surprise anybody. James Connors an RB3. He's touchdown dependent. He'll have the opportunity to score if he's out there. Chase Edmonds, we know he has to be involved in the passing game with no DeAndre Hopkins. It was check down city to Zach Ertz, check down city to Chase Edmonds. I don't think overall that would change. And Dallas, they're tough against the run, but you can throw on them with their running backs out of the backfield so far this season. So, where are you at on the running backs? Are you going to play both of them if they're active with confidence as Flex plays?
2: I think that's really tough. I think that if I um, I like Chase Evans' floor the best because he talked about him being involved in the passing attack. I do think Dallas is you know, really good against the running game, this, particularly as the season's kind of progressed. You know, that used to be something you can kind of expose this team versus they haven't really, teams haven't really been able to, be able to do that. And Dallas has you know, been able to get up big on teams too, so that kind of also is damaged from the running attacks. Um, I look at Chase Edmonds as a player that buys the safest floor. James Conner, you probably like as a flex option because like you talked about he just basically fall into the end zone and save the day for you to get a touchdown. But I would be a little nervous trying to start both of them, as it's, because his Arizona offense has not been clicking the last three weeks since Conner's returned. It hasn't really been playing with the points that you kind of expect. It hasn't really found its rhythm, and you're kind of worried that can he actually get the points for all these guys, and you know can you feed all these mouths because this Arizona offense, as I talked about, just doesn't look right right now.
0: No, I can't disagree with that. From a fantasy perspective, though, you feel very safe about Kyler Murray. Last week was kind of a disappointing uh, game on paper against the NFL, and yet he still finishes in the top 10. Why? Because he runs. and I think he probably run even more than four times like he did against the Indianapolis Colts last week in this game. I think he's going to have to. So I'm not worried about not starting Kyler Murray or anything like that. It comes to my QB6 for me. The pass catchers are where I want to get into this with you. Christian Kirk now, two weeks in a row, has been the lead pass catcher, and he's got target usage that you should feel good about. And I got him as my well, wide receiver 24 heading into this matchup, where I do think, game script-wise, Arizona's going to have to come back from behind the second half and actually go up-tempo a little bit more. So Christian Kurt, wide receiver 24, I feel very confident starting him with the usage he's had lately.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're, you're not loving the production that you've gotten, but you do like the usage. And he is being utilized in the slot with Wesley kind of starting on the outside and playing uh, more so. So I think with even more being questionable as well, I think that the safest receiver, by far to play, is Christian Kirk. If you want to get one of these Arizona receivers in your lineup, I think you look in the receiver three uh, or flex option. I think there's somebody that you're kind of, you know, you're not necessarily loving the matchup, but you're also loving the opportunity for him because the other team, other guys are matched up much better with much better players and digs and the outside corners for Dallas versus the inside you know slot receiver, like you said, has been kind of a matchup problem for Dallas this entire season.
0: Yeah, and then Zach Ertz is the other pass catcher that I feel very confident about playing. It's a good match against Dallas. They've given up touchdowns to the tight ends all throughout the year, and he has the ability to be the number one pass catcher himself as far as targets go in this offense. He showed that last week, heavily involved with DeAndre Hopkins out. He's my top five tight end this week. I don't think there's any way you don't have a Zach Ertz in your lineup right now.
2: Yeah, you're a bigger fan than I am. I think he's definitely an option, though.
0: Let's move over to the Dallas side. Now, I don't think this gets too complicated. Dak is back on track against Washington, but it was Washington. So we have to see him do it again. But you're playing Dak Prescott if you have him. He's my QB8 on the week. There's no way that you're not. The one thing I really liked about last week's game that stood out to me was it looked like he had cleaned up. Some of the little things that he was having an issue with, with his footwork in particular, where he wasn't really kept kind of firing off his back foot, getting happy feet, not really just stepping into it. This week, he kind of got back to, I make my plants on my front foot, a throw with a little bit of power, wasn't too concerned about guys around him. On top of the fact, they're expected to get Tyrone Smith back this week. We know how much better Dak Prescott plays when Tyrone Smith is back in the lineup. So, Chris, do you have any concerns whatsoever about playing Dak in your championship week?
2: No, I mean, I think um, you were disappointed what you've got Dak Prescott going into last week. And I know a lot of people were down on him and really kind of, you know, wondering is he you know, an option for you to kind of have in your lineups anymore for championship week. And I think absolutely he is. I think what you saw last week is what we kind of been expecting all season long. was mechanics getting cleaned up. You like what you saw with that. But you also like the fact that he actually ran the ball a little bit. As you used some RPO, which I think opened up some easy things for him and got kind of got in the rhythm as well. So I think he put all the things together. This Dallas offense should be able to point, score points versus Arizona defense. And if Smith's out there, I'm super excited about that Prescott because I think Dallas offense can put up huge numbers versus Arizona defense.
0: No, agreed. And you're playing ZKL Elliott. I know it doesn't always look pretty, but he showed you last week he's still a touchdown threat to go in there. He's saying he's feeling closer to 100%. I think the question is, can you play Tony Pollard as a flex play too? I do have in the consideration, because I haven't ranked at RB35, but he really is a boomer bust player because he has to hit that big play because he just doesn't get stabilized usage enough in the red zone or other places to really be able to have a high floor that you really want to make sure you play him on.
2: Yeah, I think he's definitely just more of a flex option this week. We took a lot of receiver threes that were kind of throwing out there, different names, guys that you had like in your 20s and low 30s. I think this is a guy that Tony Potts is just you know, equivalent to one of those guys. He might get you four points. You have a big game score touchdown, just like the receivers can. So I think Tony Potts could be an option, particularly versus an Arizona team that has really struggled versus the run. Um, you saw Detroit really have a great game versus this team a couple weeks ago on the ground. So you expect that there's a, definitely opportunity for both these guys to kind of eat. And I think if Dak Prescott's moving the ball through the air like you kind of saw last week, it actually could kind of benefit benefit Tony Pollard because there's no reason for him to pull off the dogs this week. They should be able to try to score as much as they can all four quarters versus Arizona, which actually may allow them to feed all these guys.
0: No, I totally agree. I totally agree with that. I will say this though, with Tony Pollard, I do think there's other wide receivers that we can go with that would be better flex options that we'll talk about later in the show that I would trust a little bit more in that spot. But speaking of wide receivers, there is not a single Cowboy wide receiver that I wouldn't contemplate playing. Obviously, C.D. Lamb, obviously Amari Cooper, but even Michael Gallup comes in at wide receiver 31 for me this week. To your point, I just think everybody can eat, and we'll throw in Dalton Schultz, who has really honestly shocked the hell out of me, because I thought this was the guy who was going to disappear when Michael Gallup came back in, all the wide receivers came back in to play. That hasn't been the case. It happened for like two weeks, but Dalton Schultz has gone back to like, I'm getting just as many targets as Amari Cooper and CeeDee are. So I, I don't think you just play all the pass catchers and hope for the best.
2: Yeah, this is evolving into kind of like a tempo based situation where Dak Prescott is so good at spreading the ball around, but they, everybody can kind of get close to eating. You want to play everybody, but somebody's going to probably not get fed. But it's really hard each week because, as you're pointing out, there's a lot of chances they can feed everybody, especially when they continue to kind of move the pace. I love the fact that they went no huddle last week, a lot of the game, especially in the first half, which seemed to kind of help them also get in a rhythm. And they do something like that and get more plays, it'd be fantastic for these production for all these guys to, be able to produce. Otherwise, you do kind of put these guys in your lines because you're kind of not really sure who's going to go off from week to week, similar, so, like I said, to Tampa Bay, but you kind of want to bank on the fact that Dallas can probably produce enough to actually feed all these guys. So you don't want to miss out necessarily.
0: Yes, fantasy football players. We love no huddle. We love up tempo. If only all the teams could do it, we would be so so happy. Let's this game to be awesome for both that. For
2: those. No, both and, teams no it really could be,
0: we system. can see like ninety plays for both teams going off here. Like it's, it's it could be nuts if they actually play the way they're both capable of playing. But let's talk about betting this game. Cowboys at home, favored minus five and a half. The over under set at fifty one and a half. Give me the over. I don't care who wins or loses this game. I think it might be close. If anything, I'd probably lean towards betting Dallas to cover it minus five and a half. But I'm just going to take the over because I think points are going to be had. And then just call it a day once it does go over.
2: (laughs) I'm just going to go with I think Dallas is going to cover.
0: Okay. Okay. I like, I like it. either one I think I'm on board with. What I want to do now is take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we got more games to preview because we're previewing the entire week 17. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. MD Nation, we want to welcome in a new sponsor of the show called Props Fantasy from PropsFantasy.com. Props Fantasy is a website and app which allows users to import their season-long fantasy teams to challenge other season-long fantasy teams. Their crucial difference is that you can challenge other teams that you are not playing in your league that week, or aren't even in your league, or not even on the same platform. The idea behind Props Fantasy is to let casual season-long fantasy players use the teams they already have to engage in daily fantasy-type contest. For winnings, users can wager anything from $1 up to $1,000 on a head-to-head challenge. Props Fantasy even harmonizes the scoring. If you're in a PPR league and your opponent is not, Props Fantasy will default to a half-point PPR or you can manually adjust it. They also handle things like standard lineup versus super flex. Their developers are fantasy football diehards and have thought of everything, including IDP. So if you think your season-long team is not just the best in your league, but the best in all leagues. This is your chance to find out and win money when you sign up for the Props Fantasy app today at PropsFantasy.com. So join in on the fun.
1: You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show.
0: Welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at Show. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel to catch every single episode. Download us on your favorite pod streaming app for your commutes. And fire us up on your Fire TV and Android devices when you search for the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Amazon App Store. As always, I'm your host, Dan Maynard. I'm joined here with Chris Dauhauer, and we're going over the week 17 full preview, baby, before the new year. That's going to be the best way to start off. What New Year's resolutions? Let's start off the new year being champions. That's what we're here for. That's why we're doing this show. Chris, you know what team doesn't want to make you a champion, especially at the running back position? The Miami Dolphins. Hmm. They can't stick to one at all. Duke Johnson has this wonderfully great game. Miles Gaskin's been good at times. And then last week in that abysmal Monday night game, talk about a game that needs to be flexed out. They go thirteen and thirteen, not with Duke Johnson and Miles Gaskin, but with Duke Johnson and Philip Frickin Lindsey. Why?
2: <laughs> yeah, Dolphins always figure out how to kind of you know screw up the situation the best that they can. It seems like fantasy wise, and running back has been no different. Uh, Duke Johnson still looked like the best guy out there eye wise, eye test wise. But um, as you pointed out, they continue to want to involve other guys. Um, Ahmed even got a couple of catches during that game, so they even started going to a four-man committee still back into those good old days in Miami. So, yeah, it was definitely a complete shit show, as you kind of pointed out in the backfield, and I think it is definitely something you cannot trust, unfortunately, going into this week, um, because you'd like to have one of those guys as an option.
0: It's ridiculous. So they can't be an option because you can't trust, once again, any usage coming out of the Miami Dolphins. Backfield, And probably for the third year in a row of Brian Flores' tenure, uh, guess what? They're probably going to be firing and bringing in yet another offensive coordinator. That would be my guess. Anybody out there who wants to keep bashing on Tua Tagovailoa, just remember this. He literally has not had the same offensive coordinator his entire career. Because Brian Flores has not stuck to an offensive coordinator for more than one year. It's insane. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. And he got two this year. And he got two this year. And <laughs> neither one of them were any good. Here's the only here's the only player you can play with confidence. It's Jalen Waddell. He comes in, no surprise, my wide receiver twelve. He's been the target all season long. Tua loves him. And he's the only option you can actually. Comfortably play. Devontae Parker had zero targets last week. Mike Gasecki has not been involved for several weeks since Devontae Parker's come back with Jalen Waddle in the mix. Now Gasecki comes in my tight end fourteen is technically my streaming territory because he's as abysmal as the other tight ends in that grouping, and that's why. Chris, are you playing anything else outside of Jalen Waddle? My off base here. No, I don't think you are. I mean, you're
2: going to be hit by Devontae Parker because so you're going to look at C Tennessee's thirty first first to pass you're going to think it's exploitable and they have opportunity to play maybe the receivers or even the tight ends to kind of pointed it out. But right now the Dolphins offensively are just not feeding enough mouths. And it's usually one of the other guys who are kind of stepping up. Parker might be a crapshoot if you want to throw as one of the receiver three options, as you talked about earlier. But I think the is the only guy you really feel confident putting in your lineup this week in that receiving core.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you pointed it out because that's the big reason why this is such a surprise. Tennessee on paper is a matchup you want to take advantage of from a wide receiver position. And because the Dolphins are so inept in their usage on offense, the only one you can actually play is Waddle, and that's it. Let's move to Tennessee. They're kind of a similar boat of Miami, where it's very, very few fantasy players you're going to trust. Obviously, you're going to play A.J. Brown, especially after that playing. Now, it's not as good of a matchup against San Francisco. Don't get that twisted, but he's the offense. Julio Jones out on COVID. Who cares? He hasn't been targeted producing anyway. A.J. Brown is the only guy Brian Tannehill can trust going with with the football to trust to do anything. So, yeah, A.J. Brown, he comes in my wide receiver 10. You're playing him with confidence. We don't have to talk about that. Dante Foreman form is what I want to get into. There have been times where you've been able to take advantage of a Dolphins rush defense, but because they've done such a good job over the past five weeks playing on the other side of the line of scrimmage because they've gotten so blitz heavy with Brian Flores taking over the play calling, how much can you trust a Dante Foreman heading to this week? I have him an RB31 just because of the touchdown appeal, but do you really want to play him?
2: No, I don't. I think that he's a guy that, you know, is somebody that if you have to try to figure out what you're doing in the flex, maybe you put him in there and hope the guy falls in the end zone and scores a touchdown for you. Otherwise, you're not excited about the production at all. This guy's been wildly inconsistent in the last few weeks. I um, especially last week, you only saw seven carries, 15 yards, I think it was. Did fall into the end zone to kind of save the day for himself. But this Tennessee offensive line is not good. And this, this offense defense, as you talked about, is one of the, what's the happiest defenses there is. And since they've kind of turned the corner, they've been able to kind of pin their ears back and stop rushing attacks as a result. And I think you're seeing Tennessee has already struggled versus numerous defenses this season with teams that can get in the backfield because their offensive line cannot protect. they one of the worst offensive lines when it comes to pass protection and allowing you know, penetration. So I think this is a peril matchup for them, and I would not want to form in my lap this week.
0: Here's a good question. We're going to get a lot of defensive questions on, on a week like this going into championship week. Dolphins defense against Tennessee or Tampa Bay's defense against the Jets. Dan, I can tell you that on Sports.com, I ranked the Bucks defense as the number two defense heading into the week. They are ahead of the Miami Dolphins for me by a few spots, but both defenses are going to be top five, top six plays in my book. But I would be, I would have, you have the choice between the two, I would lean towards the Bucs just because they're playing against the Jets. The argument can be made that Tennessee with A.J. Brown is a better, more competent offense. And maybe Ryan Tannehill is not getting sacked or throwing as many turnovers as a result. But the edge definitely has to go to the Bucs against that Jets team. How about you, Chris? Do you agree?
2: Yeah, um, I mean, I think they're both awesome options. I kind of tend to depend on what you're looking for. I think Tampa Bay's got the safer floor in a sense. As you talked about the Jets are going to score a lot of points in that game. Tampa Bay should be able to stop them. But you haven't seen Tampa Bay get a lot of turnovers. One thing you have seen the Dolphins be able to do over the last few weeks uh, as they've kind of turned the you know, corner with this defense and getting the pass rush is getting sacks and also getting a lot of turnovers. So I might actually go with the Dolphins in this game just because I think there's a chance for them to really disrupt Tennessee and get some interceptions. We saw Robert Tannehill struggle with other games earlier this season and be able to turn, turn the ball over. I think it's going to be a game when he does it again.
0: Okay. Okay. Let's talk about betting this game. The Dolphins are on the road. They are plus three and a half. Tennessee my, uh, favored by minus three and a half. The over-under set at 40. I got a no contest on this one. These are two really evenly matched teams, especially with the, the Dolphins have been playing as of late.
2: Yeah, I would just hold my nose and prepare to watch another Saints Dolphins game again. We just basically watched it. It's, it's gonna, gonna be, be close. close. It's not gonna be that bad.
0: No, 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 no. Nothing could be worse than that Ian Book Saints performance where was just there's nothing. At least Tennessee, they had Tannehill, they have AJ Brown. There's there's something there. There was nothing there for the New Orleans Saints game that you're absolutely that right.
2: It will, it, will, it will be more than nine-nothing. It'll probably be 16 to
0: 9. All right, let's move on to another game. Let's talk about the Raiders and the Colts. The Colts dodged a bullet with the new COVID protocols. Carson Wentz was set to be out, not just this week, but potentially next week. Now there's a chance, and it's, it's tough, because he would have to clear on Sunday. So he would have to go through this entire week without practice. Frank Reich already coming out and saying, though, he's going to practice or he's going to play if he comes out and clears on Sunday morning from COVID-19. So... Sam Ellinger is the quarterback. We have to probably make our fantasy assessments off the idea that Sam Ellinger is going to be the quarterback, but just have that caveat in the back of your head. It changes nothing for me from a Jonathan Taylor standpoint. If my number one running back with or without Carson Wentz against the Raiders, I don't care. The question I think becomes Michael Pittman. I do have that wide receiver 16. But I will say this: Sunday morning, if I get confirmation that Sam Ellinger is going to be the guy, I'm probably going to be bumping Michael Pittman down to an area of a high end wide receiver three, low end wide receiver two, where I may contemplate playing somebody else over him. But if Carson Wentz is in there, you got to love the target share. I love his high floor volume as a must start wide receiver two. If it is Wentz out there, where are you?
2: I 100% agree. I think that if Wentz is playing, the Pittman's definitely a good option. Maybe a receiver two, strong receiver two option, um, borderline receiver one, possibly. But I think if he's not playing, I think St. Helinger is, is going to definitely damper his production. I think that Pittman falls down to receiver three discussion in my, in my book, and it's not somebody I prefer to play, it's somebody I would if I have to.
0: If the Raiders can get Sam Ellinger to play, they might actually win this game while scoring 17 points because that seems to be all they're capable of doing lately. Uh, on their side, you play Josh Jacobs. talk about usage and running backs right now. You got a you lead workhorse dog. He had 27 carries last week, went over 100 yards. I think you have to play Josh Jacobs. I have him in RB15. He's a lock it in RB2 with, with the volume that he's seeing in both the rushing and the passing game. Hunter Renfro is a little more interesting. We've had two weeks now where he wasn't He's not getting the same volume that he was previously, making him a very exciting fantasy football asset. Now, last week, he's able to score. So he kept him fantasy relevant. We get word today that Darren Waller, he's going to be out for the rest of the season. They put him on IR. He's done. Chris, are you playing Hunter Renfro with confidence? I am at wide receiver 14, but I'm curious to see where you are.
2: I absolutely am. I think one of the big differences is that the Colts don't play a lot of man and you saw Cleveland play a lot of man and actually make a conscious effort to take Hunter Renfro away. That was a big part of why he wasn't really involved the week before. And This past week, as you talked about, he did score a touchdown. He wasn't heavily involved. But they tried, you know, they ran the ball really effectively and really well, which I think isn't going to necessarily happen the same rate as it did last week. Colts are pretty good against the run. So i expect Hunter for to be able to reproduce. I think he's going to be one of the guys that kind of finds the seams in the zone and kind of picks upon, it's going to be Derek Carson, security, as he has been most of the second half of the season. I think there's no reason you don't play him again this week.
0: All right, we got another question coming in here. DK Patterson, KJ Osborne, Agunboale. need one for the flex. Chris, which one are you going with there?
2: I am going with EK Metcalf in that situation. I know Dan's been asking about DK all year long, and he's not a big fan necessarily, but I keep riding the big horse. I'm going to bank on that versus Detroit
0: at least he had a touchdown uh, last week to kind of make you feel a little bit better about it. it, is Detroit. And it's not just Detroit. It's Detroit on backup secondary players right now heading into this week's matchup. There's no way in that group it's not going to be DK Metcalf for me. So I'm totally 100% in agreement with you there. Foster Moreau, by the way, streaming option at tight end. I did these rankings late last night, so it was before we got the word that Darren Waller was definitively going to be out for the rest of the season. In fact, yesterday the news was they were hopeful about it. I, I do wonder if the Raiders did it purposely just to screw with fantasy football players a little bit because it was like, oh, we're suddenly we're more hopeful than we have been in weeks that Darren Waller is going to have a chance to play. this. Oh, and today it's like, oh, he's on the IR. He's on for the season. Like, Come on. Really? Uh, so, but when we go, when I go to update these rankings, Foster will probably hover around my top 12 territory most likely he will be a streaming option for me heading into that matchup as they pull up the Indianapolis Colts and the Raiders here, as far as betting on, and this is, this is going to be a hard game to bet on. I would be surprised actually, as I'm pulling this up, because it was up there earlier, but it might not be up there now. Uh, it's not, I'm not really surprised by that without knowing if Carson Wentz is going to play that drastically changes the betting line one way or another. But Chris, let's just say this for the people, you know, come up on Sunday morning, we finally get word, and they put this back up on the book. If Wentz does play, I would expect the Colts to be favored in this game, probably by at least, my guess would be somewhere around four and a half, five and a half heading into this matchup. Would you take the Colts in that line, or do you think the Raiders are going to go out there, keep this game close, or maybe even pull one out?
2: No, I would take that line for the Colts. I think the Colts are a superior team with Carson Wentz, the quarterback position think, as you pointed out, the Raiders are struggling to score 17 points. The Colts are one of those teams that actually have been efficient scoring, especially in the red zone as of late. So, I stick with the Colts in this game. I like I like, I like that odds if that's the number they're going to give them this week.
0: That that would just be my estimate as far as what it's going to be. We don't know yet as of now, but I'm in agreement with you. I mean, look, the Raiders just offensively, they're broken. It they was just so, just to- so
1: you know, it
2: was seven and a half for the Colts.
0: Okay, it was seven and a half. So that'll be interesting to see if it winds up being that as well. I, I think I'd still take the Colts there just because the Raiders have been so inept offensively lately, and the Colts' defense has been good. And by the way, their defense is going to get a lot healthier this week with Darius Leonard and others expected to return back to the lineup off of COVID-19. We haven't gotten the Kittle there, Dan, don't you? Or we haven't gotten to the San Francisco game yet. Uh, let's talk about Jacksonville in New England. We can make this pretty much short and sweet. So, i Boale. I've been working on that name all day. I call him Dario. Dario. I, him Dario. Uh, I do him RB27 because of volume. Again, with running backs, if you get out of those top league guys, it's just, are you going to get the ball a lot? Yeah. I don't see why he wouldn't. Maybe Rykel Armstead throws a monkey wrench into our plans at the goal line. But at least with a Guna Boale, He's going to be the pass catching back. He's going to be the main runner. He was okay last week. So I think he's a viable flex play. If you don't have a lot of options, you can trust this week. Are you on the same page or no?
2: Absolutely. I think this is a guy that you talked about. It can be just volume based, possibly at least the RB2 option. Um, you like to be involved in the passing game. And he's going to probably be involved in the rushing attack. There are some rumors that maybe Sergeant or um, Armstead could get some early down carries in this game. I wouldn't necessarily worry about that too much. Um, it seems that Bevel is trying to commit to more one of the running backs, a running back in a sense. I'm not sure what other guys would be sprinkled in there So at some point, I'm sure. But I think he's going to get between you know 70 to 80% of the snaps, I would believe, out there. And I think Dexville will be really close in this game. So I don't think there's going to be a reason for him not to be playing because he to be trailing a lot. So I think he's going to be the one who's going to be out of the backfield anyway.
0: Get any question about Oguno Boale or Patterson, it's definitely Patterson for me. I've been trusting the guy who got me there. And the guy who's been a fantasy dynamo so far this season. Let's flip over to the Patriots side. Because, I mean, I, I mean, unless, is there a wide receiver you care about for Jacksonville? Because there's not for me.
2: No, I mean, I know I'll, I'll give you a, a sleeper guy that I don't think you should want to play necessarily in any kind of redrafts. But if for a guy from DFS, we'll talk about, you know, tomorrow's show. But Davon Austin gives you a little bit of a safe flirt receiver because they're using him as a running back in a lot of ways and kind of that, um, Oh, what's his name? The Brown, Saint Brown, is kind of a Detroit role where he's kind of up in the backfield, and getting some cheap catches here or there. He still have seven catches last week, so he's maybe somebody you can consider in full point PPR leagues, or if you're in, you know, the DFS leagues, as like I said.
0: So the big thing for New England is that Ramondre Stevenson he is back. So now the question becomes: Okay, well, what's Damian Harris? was his value necessarily he just had the huge game 100 yards and three touchdowns probably a big reason why you're in your championship games right now so you're gonna want to use him again against Jacksonville. and guess what you can i don't care if mondry stevenson's back to take his eight carries or whatever the case may be it's jacksonville i'm playing damian harris with confidence could he, is he typically an RB3, touchdown-dependent type of guy? Yes, but this is a game where I'm willing to bet on more than 50%. He's going to get that touchdown, which is why it comes to my RB23 this week, and I'm playing him with confidence as a low-end RB2.
2: Yeah, I actually played with a high-end high RB2, honestly, I think, this week. I think what you've seen is no different than you've gotten most weeks. He got 48% of the snaps last week. It's been about average what he's been getting since, no matter Steven Bolden, whoever's active with Harris, So I think Harris continues to get about 50% of the carries that he will. He's been productive with that. There's no reason that should change versus Jacksonville. And you get a chance for some easy touchdowns because the Jacksonville offense can't do anything, so there's a good chance there'll be some turnovers in short fields I take advantage of.
0: Outside of that, I mean, Hunter Henry, he's a shot in the dark tight end. He can get you to touchdown. We know that, but we know if he doesn't get you that touchdown, he's going to bust. And against Jacksonville, you like the matchup here, and you want to roll the dice. Again, we go back to... I had Pitts at tight end 10. And I had some other guys from tight end 12. Tight end 11 on is really just the same. So if you want to roll the dice, you can. But I think I'd rather, let's, let's put this for instance, because I didn't get to rank this guy yet because of the news that came out today. I'd rather have a Foster Moreau, who has got a little bit of a safer floor, not necessarily touchdown base against the Colts, than I would Hunter Henry against the Jacksonville Jaguars this week. Do you agree or disagree with that?
2: Uh, I I mean, to me, i probably flip a coin to make that decision, honestly. I don't think it really matters what you could play in that situation. I think you're about equal when I look at them. I think maybe you think Werner's got a little bit of a safer floor just because of the volume possibility, but Henry's been able to score touchdowns basically every other week. So yeah, I think you're basically the same play.
0: Hi, I'm Maria.
1: And I'm Mike. And we're
0: Team, team ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is so they want you to be ready.
1: It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible.
0: Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather.
1: Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com/teamready.
0: Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the
2: deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office.
0: minus 15 and a half favorites, huge line over under set at 41 and a half. Chris, do the Patriots cover 15 and a half points in new England.
2: So when I first saw this spread, I was just really surprised how big it was and that, you know, do you feel like the Patriots, a team that was just, wasn't still a playoff contender this year. So still on their way down, can they actually beat a team by over 15 points? And I think, yes, I think this defense is going to be a little bit annoyed that they didn't play well last week. I think they have a fantastic get-right spot versus Jacksonville. I think you're going to see Belichick kind of have an extra grind with them and kind of push them a little bit. I think this offense and defense is going to be able to kind of dominate the line of scrimmage versus this team, and I do think they're going to be able to cover.
0: I think it's on the head with the defense. I don't know if Jacksonville scores more than 10 points. And because the Patriots will be allowed to run, which is what they want to do and probably be able to do it very effectively and score points while doing it. I think there's a very real chance that they covered a 15 and a half, not something I normally like to bet on, but I will take the Patriots minus 15 and a half in this game. Let's move on to Carolina and the saints. I know so exciting. How about we talk about Sam Darrell making a return to the starting lineup. Hey, I'll give Matt rule this at least this week. He's not talking about playing both of them. It's just, you know, Sam Darnold's a starter, and maybe it will stick to one quarterback. I blame him for starting this trend of it being okay for these NFL guys to start multiple quarterbacks, talk about playing multiple quarterbacks in the same game, because that wasn't a thing until Matt Roll started doing it, unfortunately. It doesn't change anything for me fantasy-wise. Maybe you want to make the case that DJ Moore has a little bit of a safer floor, but ultimately not really. DJ Moore is my wide receiver 27 in this game, purely because... While it's been awful for him for the quarterback position, his offense in general, he's still seeing double-digit targets. A guy with that ability, seeing that kind of volume, which takes only one play, I think he has to be at least considered in your flex considerations. So he does come in at wide receiver 27 for me this week. Outside of that, I don't have a single Carolina Panther that I uh, that I want to play.
2: Yeah, we can just move on from this team. Matt Rule's an idiot, and this offense is putrid to watch. And I think DJ Moore is the only saver you can He's basically watching Chicago a couple of years ago and Allen Robinson, the only guy that you can basically fathom playing in your lineup week in, week out.
0: Um does he get fired at the end of this year? We've been having this discussion. No,
2: I still think he keeps his job. I think he keeps it one more year. I was I think one of the things that's you know, people are kind of getting caught up on is that Carolina wasn't supposed to be good this year. They started off really well and I kind of got everybody excited about them hold on, everybody got excited about them because they started off 4-0 and then 4-1, and then they were split the playoffs, and they basically are going to finish what they probably should have finished. The season is crazy. It has been, when you look at the, some of the records, records aren't really that crazy compared to what you actually thought the teams were going to be coming into the season. And I think that's one of the teams that you thought between six or seven games would probably win, by what they're going to win six or seven games.
0: I disagree with you. I think when they brought in Sam Darnold, the idea was that they were supposed to be competing for a playoff spot. I completely disagree with you. This was a, a team that was expected to not be at least competing in that position this year. I do think they underwhelmed. They under disappointed and the firing of Joe Brady to make him the scapegoat and then not improving offensively. I do think Matt rule is going to get fired at the end of the season. Uh, We got a question coming in from Joe. Did you guys cover the Browns or Steelers game yet? No, that's going to be the Monday night game, which will be the last thing we cover on today's show. We're not quite at that point. Let's get back to the saints who were on the last, you know, Monday night matchup, which was awful. (laughs) Taysom Hill is going to be back, so that's the good news. We don't have to watch Ian Book for a second week in a row. We're all saved. Hill is still a QB11 for me. Obviously, you don't love the match against Carolina's defense, but you don't care about what Taysom Hill does through the air. All I care about is what he can give me on the ground, and his ground game makes him a top-12 option for me. But where are you at on championship week? Are you going to trust that?
2: Absolutely. I think he's got a safe floor, and I'm not worried about this Carolina defense at all. As you talked about... They might, they're might; decent versus the pass. They get a decent pass rush, but they are terrible versus the run. And you definitely like Dominic Lennon's versus them. I think the Saints are going to be able to use Taysom Hill. And I think Taysom Hill's going to have the one that's a floors you can have on your lineup this week. So people are talking about playing a trade lane and something like that. I think Taysom Hill's definitely a superior play. I think he's the guy you'd like to have in your lineup if you can.
0: And with Taysom Hill back, Alvin Kamara can confidently play as a top 10 guy. I do put him as my RB9. That's, I mean... Look, if you were able to make it to the next round with Alvin Kamara in your lineup, congratulations, because that was probably difficult to do. He probably bounced out a lot of people with that Monday night performance. But with Hill back, there's at least some competency in the offense. Sean Payton came back to play, calling the plays the way he was weeks previous to, which the Saints were at least able to sustain drives, get production to the main guys. Kamara, I think, is still an RB1. Do you?
2: I think it's a little interesting, his usage last week. The fact that he only got 60% of the snaps, um, he only got 17 touches. You saw the week before he didn't get utilized a lot. I am a little curious how healthy he really is and how much they're trying to ride him in a sense. So I do think he's in your lineups this week, but I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be super confident he's going to be as an RB1, but I think he's at least in your RB2, potential, I mean, RB2 production this week.
0: They do got to get back to getting him back involved in the passing game. That That is undisputable for sure. Uh, no, I was about to hit the break here, but I guess we got to talk about betting this game first. <laughs> you know what? I have to look at this. I don't even have to look at this line. There's no way you're going to get me to bet on Carolina and the Saints this week. No no chance whatsoever. These are two terrible teams. You have no, no idea what to expect. Should the Saints win? yes. Move on with that. I want to hit the break here because we got to come back on the other side. We have more games. We got a preview. Everybody, stay tuned to MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back with you guys right after this. It's the holiday season, and you don't know what to get as a gift or a stocking stuffer. Well, today's sponsor, Manscaped, has the tools to guarantee you win this year's stocking stuffer or white elephant competition. Manscaped is the leader in men's below the waist grooming, and they have served more than 4 million men worldwide. If my math is correct, that's almost 8 million balls. So get 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped.com with the promo code BellyUpFantasy. Manscaped's best-selling product is the Performance Package 4.0, which is at the top of every man's wish list this year. Inside, you'll find their lawnmower Body Trimmer, the best trimmer on the market for your balls, your butt, and your body, and the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. Let's not forget the famous liquid formulations, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, and Crop Reviver Ball Toner to maximize your ball height gene routine get the performance package now to receive their two free gifts the manscape boxers and the shed travel bag the dads can't stop talking about this the teens secretly buy this and the women will love you for it get 20 percent off and free shipping at manscape.com with the promo code belly Up be the ballsiest gift giver this year with manscape
1: you're listening to the md's fantasy football show
0: and welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening and/or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at Billy up MDFF Show. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel to catch every single episode. Download us on your favorite pod streaming app to listen to us on your commutes and fires up on your Fire TV and Android devices. When you search for the MD's Fantasy Football Show, on the Amazon App Store. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, joined here with Chris Dowhauer. Chris, we're finally talking about the championship. Did the extra week throw you off at all this year? Did it make it feel like that much longer in the season, or is did it just fly by?
2: The season flew by for me. I think the week didn't throw me off. What threw me off is just the season in general, how it's kind of unfolded. Um, you know, it's been really weird that we don't have the bubble this year that we kind of had in the past year. Uh, with the cold COVID experience, but this how COVID's kind of shook up the game. All these different injuries that occurred, um, just the wildness and scoring as a, as it is from fantasy wise between quarterbacks not really being very consistent, receivers disappearing from the face of the earth. It's this year's has just been crazy. I think that's where it's kind of throwing me a loop more than just you know kind of the extra week so far.
0: No, I, I'm I'm with you, especially the playoffs. The, the COVID outbreaks we had when we had them um, just decimated people's playoff hopes. I mean, it really did. It really made it really tricky, but I digress. Let's get back to Tampa Bay. Let's get back to the New York Jets. You have to play Tom Brady, right? Even though he's been bad the past couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, he only
2: had about 14 points, I guess, in standard scoring last week. Um, You weren't really excited, you know, as a bounce back for Tom Brady necessarily, but the Jets are kind of a get right team. Um, I think you're going to see them kind of maybe practice their offense a little bit with some of these new playmakers, and maybe a game they can kind of feel comfortable that they can easily win, maybe get a little more aggressive down the field. All you saw Tom Brady basically do is start to secure you like an Anthony um, Antonio Brown last week. And you really saw him look for nobody else or really try to do anything but just kind of look for Antonio Brown and run the ball. So I kind of am curious to see will they try to, you know, open it up a little bit more this week versus just because they can kind of afford to, or are they gonna kind of stick to the, you know, the, the, what they did last week and just kind of grind it up and get to the playoffs. Um, I do think Tom Brady though, is still somebody you can kind of have in your lap because I think more than likely versus the Jets, such a vanilla defense that's you know almost an all-time bad defense in the sense, especially a couple of weeks ago where it was just giving up you know 40 points a game basically. I think you get, you still want to kind of ride one of the best top five five scores at quarterback position this year.
0: You only need an Antonio Brown and a Rob Gronkowski to put up a bunch of points against the New York Jets. And that's ultimately what it comes down to for me. Maybe a Brashad Perryman gets involved. Maybe a Cyril Grayson stays involved. But really, all he needs is Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski. And that's why Tom Brady is my QB three. And I'm not worried about him not having a Mike Evans, who, by the way, is on the COVID list now. So on top of dealing with the hamstring injury, we really don't expect to see him out there for this week. And of course, no Chris Godwin for the rest of the year. You're playing Tom Brady. You're playing Antonio Brown. He comes in a wide receiver six for me. The only thing he didn't do last week was score. I mean, 10 catches, 100 yards. He had 15 targets. You got to love what he's going to be able to do against the Jets as the main targeted guy. He's a, Antonio Brown's back to being a wide receiver one, guys. All that, all the ups and downs. And he's coming into this week as a wide receiver one for me. And Gronk, it's been bad the past couple of weeks. But like you said, the usage is what was different last week. They came in, they wanted just grinding it out. They had full control of that game. They didn't really press the issue with Brady. He only threw the ball 30 times. Gronk is still, in my mind, a top four wide receiver, a uh, top four tight end, excuse me, in this match against the Jets. No, I think
2: absolutely you still love the opportunity. And you're not gonna as inefficient he's been over the last few weeks, you don't expect that to continue. You put Tom Ready to kind of get back on the same page. And as you kind of pointed out, versus Jets, you have a, is it one you only need these two guys basically to be able to move the ball up and down the field. The play action game is gonna probably be really effective because we'll be able to run the ball. I think Gronk's definitely a top five option, if not a top three option in the tight end position this week.
0: Obviously, you're playing Ronald Jones. No, I'm not worried about Keyshawn Vaughn having a big run last week. I talked about this on the recap show. Outside of that big run, he was six carries for 15 yards. He was just inefficient. He was more inefficient than Ronald Jones was. He just had one nice carry on it. I'm not worried about him suddenly taking away the 20 carries that Ronald Jones had last week. And he love the matchup here against the New York Jets. Almost a surefire for 80 to 100 yards and a touchdown. He's my RB8 on the week. Any, any questions you have there about Vaughn in your mind?
2: No, I mean I don't know if people are a little bit concerned because you saw the big play like you said and you saw the kind of run the routes run, you know, Vaughn ran 12 to only four for Ronald Jones, Bell ran three patterns. So you do see that Jones, you know, right now Vaughn's kind of preferred preferred passing guy. Um, but having said that, Vaughn doesn't hurt you at all because it's against the game versus the Jet, the Giants, sorry, versus the Jets this week, um, it's an opportunity for both those guys to easily eat. So I have no fear about Ronald Jones having a wonderful upside this week. Hope I'm wrong. <laughs>
0: He's ho- <laughs> yeah, Chris is hoping he's wrong because we're playing against each other in one of our home league championship games, and I have Ronald Jones. Yeah, he's he's, he's got a hope, but uh the fantasy analysis, we make sure is objective for you guys. Make sure you make the best decisions that you can possibly make, and you're playing Ronald Jones with the utmost of confidence. How about the Jets side, though? Michael Carter had a nice game, but now you're going against the Tampa Bay Bucks, who don't really allow teams to run very efficiently on you. Now, of the two... He's the guy who gets to catch the ball, so that gives him a little bit of a safe floor. But, I mean, at the same time, we have to ask ourselves how much of the Jets going to move the ball and score. He does come in at RB29 for me, though, because I think ultimately when the Bucs are up by a bunch of scores, you're not going to see Tevin Coleman out there. He played more than double the snaps Tevin Coleman did anyway. And if you take him out of a semi-neutralist game script type of deal here where the Jets actually wound up, they won last week, didn't they, 26-21 to after, like, Remember, yeah. draw my memory on that one. Uh, yeah, Michael Carter is going to have to be heavily involved because he's the only guy who catches the ball out of the backfield, especially with Ty Johnson being inactive. So I do think the volume from the pass game keeps him at an RB3. Uh, do you do you agree or not? Not
2: necessarily. Um, I think what keeps him at the options for RB3 is you hope that when they're down by like 25, 30 points, he falls into the end zone like he has this entire season well, at, at part the end of the it, game yeah. is basically all you can kind of hope for. I don't have a lot of hope for the passing involvement because Zach Wilson does not really check the ball down to his backs very often. This isn't kind of the backs aren't getting fed in the same kind of rate they were the other backup running backs. Zach Wilson really struggles to kind of still check it down to his running backs. So while I agree with you, he's preferred pass catching back. I think it's really going to matter versus Tampa Bay team, which you can exploit them out of the backfield as well. I think it's game to game. Where I'm not really excited about how Michael Carter my lineup. If you're going to have him in there, I think at best you give him a flex option. And maybe you're just hoping, like I said, that he falls into the end zone at the end of the game.
0: This one I was unexpected for, but this is going to be interesting. Elijah Moore, they said he's got a 50-50 shot to come back. But if he does, there might be no Jamison Crowder. We know they need some kind of playmaker on the outside. And he was very good before the injury. Chris, I actually ranked Elijah Moore as my wide receiver 29. Again, going back to I'm expecting some fantasy points for him and Michael Carter in garbage time late in this game. But am I crazy here for thinking he can be a wide receiver three in your championship week?
2: No, I think if Elijah Moore comes back and plays, I think that you definitely can hope to have that. Because after you've seen kind of most of the season, whether it was him or Corey Davis, whenever one of those guys was active, they've been commonly served as a primary receiver one, which Zach Wilson has been able to kind of feed fantasy-wise. So if he's out there, he will be the receiver one. He'll be the alpha, the kind that build a passing attack around. So therefore, versus Tampa Bay, which you expect a lot of volume in the passing the game, you expect that he should be able to produce as a, at least a receiver three production.
0: You're going to have to explain this one to me. How is it that Tampa Bay is minus 13 over the Jets, less points to cover than the Patriots have against the Jaguars at minus 15? At least Tampa Bay is known for putting up points. Oh, yeah. Give me the Tampa Bay Bucks to cover minus 13 on the Jets, by the way, in New York. Don't care. Over under set at 45 and a half. Hell, while I'm at it, give me the over because I think they might drop 40 by themselves. <laughs> How about you?
2: Yeah, I'm not as confident about the over, but I will go out to the Bay covering.
0: To me, there's just no way they don't. There's just no way they don't. The defense, between the defense keeping the Jets out of the end zone and Tampa Bay's ability to score in this game, there's no way they don't cover this game. All right, let's go to the Philadelphia Eagles, Washington football team. Second game in three weeks. These t- guys are playing against each other really less than that because they had to have that Tuesday game. No question. You're playing Jalen hurts. You love quarterbacks against Washington, especially ones that can put up fancy points like a Jalen hurts. I don't think we have to have that conversation. I do think we have the have conversation about Devonta Smith though. So he, Does have a nice stat line last week. Five catches, 80 yards, and a touchdown. It seems like, no matter who the quarterback is, only one player is allowed to do well in the passing game with the Eagles' new identity in running the football. It's either going to be Dallas Goddard or it's going to be Devonta Smith. Now, I have them both ranked as usable options. I have Devonta Smith at wide receiver 23. I got Dallas Goddard at a tight end 7. So, I would have both of them in my lineups, but you are playing with fire that one of them is going to bust out. Which one do you trust more, Chris, and why?
2: I think I trust Dallas Goddard more this week just because I think that when you look at the safety play for Washington, it's one of the places you definitely can attack them. Um, and I think that you can see Dallas Goddard maybe utilize more in the red zone, than you can kind of trust about to Smith to be able to you just utilize the red zone. So I probably rather Goddard, which I think it's a safer floor. But I do think you can play both these guys with a decent amount of confidence this week. You know, Washington has been horrible versus the passes entire second this entire year. Um, one of the secretaries that gives up one of the bigger play- gives up the biggest plays per you know, attempt, basically versus them this entire season. So I think you want to kind of get the playmakers as you can if you can versus the Eagles against them. So I think Devonta Smith is an option. I don't love necessarily you know him giving receiver one or receiver two necessarily, but I think he's a wonderful receiver three option, if not a top you know possible receiver two option. And I think definitely Dallas Goddard is one of the better tight ends options to play this week.
0: Yeah, I think you have to play Dallas Goddard, given what your landscape is at tight end. Smith may less so, but again, I have it wide receiver 23 because you love the matchup against Washington. There's ever a game for both of them to eat. It would be this matchup here. Uh, no, we have not talked about the Lions game yet. We're going to comment in about that. And we're getting one more in. You guys like for kicker, and I'm getting a lot of kicker questions so far this week. Sure. I have Tucker, but the Ravens can't score. Uh, My number one kicker is Nick Falk, probably not available for you guys. I would say most likely the kicker who I do like a lot, who's in my top three that most likely is available on your waiver wire is Jake Elliott. He is my number three kicker on the week. He's been very good as of late. The Eagles have been giving him more opportunities, but Washington also gives up some of the most field goals in the NFL. So that's a good kicker to kind of hedge your hat on too. I also, if the weather's right Jason Myers is another common streamer kicker name that I've been kind of throwing out there. So let's just get those kicker names out there for people who are trying to figure out because it is championship week. I need to get points every position you possibly can. Getting back to the Philadelphia Eagles, though, speaking of Jake Elliott. Talk about the running game. We already know Manoam Miles Sanders. Jordan Howard didn't practice today, but it was a walkthrough in practice for the Eagles. There seems to be some optimism that not only will he will practice this week and play, but. The Eagles seem to be thinking that they are making this game plan around Jordan Howard being the starting running back. And I tend to agree it's going to be the case, but Boston Scott's still going to be involved. And yes, you'll say, okay, well Boston Scott will be more involved in the passing game. That's true. But here's the thing about the Eagles, especially with Jalen Hurts back there. they do not He doesn't really throw the ball. He doesn't really check the ball down to the running back very often, especially with this newfound offense that they've had. So I don't know how much of a factor that is. Chris, if Boston Scott and Jordan Howard are both active, how are you seeing the split between the two, and which one would you rather have?
2: I think they're both active. You rather know, have Jordan Howard as the play because he had a more chance that he's going to be the, the guy that ends the game. There's, he's their hammer, basically. He's their grinder. He's the one that they kind of close out games with. He's also the, the guy that they are using in the red zone. So I think Jordan Howard's the guy that you prefer to have in your lineup this week, especially versus the Washington team. It looks like it's basically... Um, wants to quit and not play football the rest of the season. You saw Zeke have two touchdowns. Jordan Howard could do something very similar. I think that's the guy you want to have. I think Boston Scott, if he's out, if they're both active, Boston Scott could be a flex option. But more so, I think, I just kind of talked about, maybe in PPR league, now you don't love the opportunity that you say you don't get checked down ball a lot. But they do kind of have a decent amount of volume that gets to the backs in some general. Jordan Howard rarely gets targeted at all in the backfield. So I think Boston Scott has a chance to get maybe three or four catches out of the backfield and maybe getting, you know, Wolter a touchdown because this game shouldn't be close if the Eagles play their potential. So I think this is a game that you can kind of maybe play both of them as flex options, but I think Jordan Howard's definitely the guy that you want to have in your own fees out there.
0: I got to both as RB3s. I think they're both flex plays, uh, but I agree with you, Jordan Howard would be the guy that would have a head because he just has much more touchdown potential, and he's got 100-yard potential too, uh, frankly, on the ground in this match against Washington with no Miles Sanders in the mix. We'll make Washington roll little short and sweet. Uh, Antonio Gibson is dealing with a hip injury with the toe injury. He did practice a limited capacity today. I only have him as RB 26 in this week. I saw Antonio Gibson, who was able to look okay against Dallas. He was able to get the touchdown, but he's not elusive right now. He's okay going north and south, which is what you expect on a, toe, on a turf toe injury. He is having trouble cutting, though. And I highly question his elusivity. I question if he's definitively going to have the big role that he's had in the passing game without JD McKissick. Now, last week was hard to tell because they just, you know, they pulled him out right away. They're getting blown out so badly in that game. But are you going to trust Antonio Gibson your championship leagues as a RB2 or higher?
2: No. I think if you're going to have him in your lot, you're playing as a flex option only. I think you can't bank on him any more than that. You're only hoping for he falls into a t- the red zone and scores a touchdown because, as you pointed out, last few weeks, he has not been the guy. He has not been kind of dominant as he had been. And Basically, all the safety was scoring that one touchdown So a couple weeks ago. So I think when you look at what he's been doing and how hair he is, he's not a guy you want to have in a lineup. You can avoid having him as your top two running backs.
0: I'm not playing Terry McLaurin either. He's not even in my top 36. Enough is enough. you got the Darius Slay matchup on top of it going into this week. No chance does he crack my championship lineup this week. And Chris, I I don't necessarily want to speak for you, but I think you can just agree with me so we can move on to the gambling side of this thing. Uh, Eagles minus three on the road against Washington over under set at 44 and a half. Give me the Eagles to cover and call it a lock bet of the week.
2: Yeah, I know the Eagles can make it ugly and play close to teams that they should beat handily, but I think that, the Washington Football Team is done this season. I think the Eagles should will cover. I bet on the Eagles to win this game and we'll cover.
0: And plus, this came out with that big win against the Giants divisional. Right, I think Washington's in the same place the Giants are right now as an organization as a team. And I expect them to blow them out too. Let's move into the Denver Chargers game. Okay, so we're probably going to get Drew Locke again. Teddy Bridgewater probably going to be out once again this week with the concussion injury that he's having to deal with. I know Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams were huge disappointments against the Raiders, but we just watched Rex Burkhead go for 149 yards and two touchdowns against the Los Angeles Chargers inexplicably. I know they're getting guys like Joey Bosa back, but they've been bad against the run even when healthy, and it's been one of the better teams on the ground this year in Denver. Yes, you're playing Melvin Gordon. You're playing Javante Williams. Lock them in as RB2s, or do you disagree at all?
2: No, I think you definitely feel the confidence to play both those guys in your lineup. You have most of the season. There's no reason that the Rangers team should seek you now and definitely shouldn't get shocked after you talk about the Rex Burke head performance versus this horrible Charger tackling defense.
0: Is there anybody else in the Denver Broncos you would play? No. Okay, and- yes, that's, that's <laughs> correct, that is the correct answer. Let's just move into the Chargers here. Justin Herbert top 10 quarterback. It was very disappointing across the board for the pass catchers for Herbert last week against Houston. I know I get it. Denver themselves can be a tough defense at time too, but usually when they're at home, this game being in Los Angeles, Herbert being as good as he's been, I think you have to play him. You have to start him if you're able to survive that week. The same thing goes with Kian Allen. He's on wide receiver 18 Austin Eckler's back. So you get your big time top three running back back there. The age old question. Mike Williams comes in my wide receiver 26. So, you know, boomer bust wide receiver three towards the higher end for me this week. Are you going to play him this week though? And, and by the way, tech, he does have a chance to come back now because of the new COVID protocols.
2: He does. I, I have his receiver three option. I think that's a good call for for you this week.
0: Not much else to really say there. Not much else to go with there. Jared Cook had his one shot opportunity against Houston last week. Didn't get it done. I'm not going to stream Jared Cook this week either. I mean, right?
2: No, I think that this this Denver defense is pretty solid overall, so you're not going to load up on all the Chargers guys and expect them to all the score. So I'm with you. I think you play the guys that you can kind of trust. They might want to be receiver three option, but I'm not going to get greedy.
0: So the Chargers are minus six and a half favorites at home over the Denver Broncos, over under set at 46. This is another lock bet of the week. The Chargers bounced back after a week against Houston. They covered this at minus 6.5 because Drew Locke is just that bad of a quarterback. I have no fear of the Chargers being able to cover this game. What do you say?
2: Okay, so I'm not going to bet on this game at all. But just just to go deflate you just a little bit, possibly. Um, Davis Mills look great without Brandon Cooks. And no Rexburg had went off. They had no weapons on the Houston team, a horrible offensive line. Drew Lock is not good, but they have a way better offense in Denver than they do on Houston. So I don't have faith in any of these teams either way. I think these two teams that I will not be debating on either for either way. But I think the Chargers should win, but I don't think they're necessarily I expect them to win.
0: There's these times in the NFL where these games just kind of happen were these big letdown weeks where your team gets caught looking ahead and they just don't look anything like themselves. That's what happened last week. Lock is awful. And you know what Lock didn't do last week that he normally does? He normally throws interceptions, and he didn't do that last week. I expect at least two turnovers or more in this game. Chargers cover comfortably. I'm not worried about what happened against Houston. Speaking of Houston, though, we could dive into the Houston 49er matchup so yeah the Rex Burkhead I was talking about now I do have an RB 32 because we're not expecting David Johnson to play and you know again we go back to just volume the guy gets 20 carries whether Houston's up behind whatever so I guess you have to consider him as a flex play but don't for a second think you have any chance of getting any kind of repeat performance that you did from last week 49ers are actually good against the run there's no way Rex Berker is going to go off for 149 yards and two touchdowns against the 49ers, especially with Fred Warner back. So he's a flex play, nothing else. Brandon Cooks comes off the COVID-19 list today. That's excellent news. I talked about this during the recap show. There seems to be a pattern with the players coming off the COVID-19 list. If you're a wide receiver and you come off without being able to practice, they have all seemed to have a conditioning issue. They have not been involved. They have not had as many snaps. It's very, very odd. When it comes to the running backs, we haven't seen the same kind of precedence. But the wide receivers, it has been an issue. That's why it's very key that Brandon Cooks was able to come back today because now he'll be able to get a few days of practice in heading into the week, making you less concerned about it, at least for me, making me less concerned about it heading into this match against the 49ers. He's a wide receiver 17 for me. You love the volume, the way they've been using him. Davis Mills, I I hate him, but he's on a hot streak right now. And you know you can take advantage of the secondary of San Francisco 49ers. Are you at all worried about Brandon Cooks coming off of COVID?
2: No. He's the only person I even consider playing for for Houston this week.
0: All right. I like that, too. Let's move on to San Francisco. There's a lot of things to break down in San Francisco this week. Uh, I want to start off, obviously, with the quarterback position. So, Jimmy Garoppolo dealing with a... UC uh, UC Sprain, I think is what they're calling it, correct? He didn't practice today. They thought he was going to do some work in pre-practice to kind of see where his thumb's at exactly, but they are really trying to leave this door open for Jimmy Garoppolo to be able to play this Sunday, and I think that says a lot. I'm probably the only San Francisco fan out there who does not want to see Trey Lance come in ever, (laughs) ever, but especially not in this game when we're in the middle of a playoff hunt. He's not a quarterback. He's a glorified halfback. That's what he is, who happens to throw the ball once in a while. But look, whatever you think about Trey Lance, that's not really the issue here. The fact that they are pushing for Jimmy Garoppolo to play on an injury, he probably has no business playing on. When you drafted a guy with the third pick overall, I think that speaks volumes. And I go back to when they had this whole debate about, you know, who are they going to draft at that quarterback position? And there were some rumors that came out afterwards that Kyle Shanahan really wanted Mac Jones the whole time and was eventually talked out of it. I think this proves that. So
2: you think Kyle Shanahan wanted him the whole time? I don't
0: Jones know if it proves
2: it. I think it proves that this was a stupid pick. I think that's what we get to see. I don't know if I proves who was you know in the right or wrong necessarily when it comes to who picked this this quarterback. Shanahan I do think seems
0: he, much. He can't run his offense with Trey Lance. And that was obvious in the Arizona game. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the
1: weirdest place you've gotten lucky.
0: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my
1: dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car
0: before my kid's PTA meeting.
1: Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
0: I never win and tell.
1: Well, there you have it. You could get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited
0: by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Well, I mean, I think that's why he wants Garoppolo to, to be the quarterback, but I also think that he... I, I think he expected guys to kind of maybe be different than they were because I think Trey Sermon was his call, and we see Trey Sermon buried him basically on the, on the depth chart. So I think a lot of these guys he may have made the calls on, but just isn't loving how they kind of transition, which I think is more his issue than versus you know the GMs necessarily. But overall, I do think that this is an offense that plays better with Jimmy G at the quarterback position because he can actually utilize some of the play play, play action. Um, opportunities and actually use some of the playmakers at receiver positions and tight end position. When Trey Lance is out there, as you kind of pointed out, he's basically an extra running back out there, and this offense gets extremely limited in what they can do. And while they love to be running oriented, Shanahan kind of needs the opportunity to kind of be able to push the ball down the field in the passing game, or his offense isn't nearly as effective. So it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, how hard do they push Jimmy? And also, the playoffs are kind of on the line as well. So I think there's a big, you know, concern that. Trey Lance could lose a game for you and a game that you need to win this week.
0: And a game that you should win against Houston, Texas. You don't want to pull what the Los Angeles Chargers did a week ago, but you just hit the nail on the head. Cause when we get back to the fantasy side of this thing, we know what to expect out of Jimmy G. We know Debo Samuel is a wide receiver one. We know George Kittle is a top three tight end. We know Brandon IU can even be possibly played as a flex position. We know the running game will be fine. Trey Lance comes in and this becomes a completely 100% RPO offense. Debo's ceiling takes a hit. George Kittle's ceiling takes a hit. Even the running game takes a little bit of a hit because now you have Trey Lance to compete with for carries and touchdowns. And that, so Trey Lance, while he himself, and I ranked this as if Trey Lance would be the starter this week, he comes in a QB 14 for me. Again, it just goes back to look, if you're a quarterback who's going to run the ball, probably double digitize what I do believe Trey Lance would wind up doing in this game, you're a streaming option, period, because it's just the floor that you get. But he kills everybody else. For the first time, I have Debo Samuel outside the top 10. 11, because he can still get involved in other ways. But outside the top ten, George kills my tight end six. You're playing him, but he's not inside my top three. The only guy that I played, I stay, I kept the same was if Elijah Mitchell plays, and he practiced a little capacity today. By the way, I do have him as an RB ten because you just go back, you just watch what Justin Jackson did to these guys, and you're just. You have, to, you have to dive in on the running game against Houston. You just have to. And if he's not out there, Jeff Wilson will be at least a high-end RB2 in my rankings. But that's where I'm at. I'm a little bit worried if I'm a Debo and George Kittle owner in particular, and I'm not playing Brandon Ayuk if Trey Lance is the quarterback.
2: I, I 100% agree with you. And I am a little concerned about the running back, depending on who it is, because we saw last time he played versus Arizona, the running backs didn't really get to get involved, especially in the, the red zone. This guy dominates the ball. This team doesn't score the same amount of points with him at the quarterback position. So it's gonna be interesting to see. You know, the running backs are still playable, I think, for sure. But I with you, I think they're more you know, bottom tier RB2 options versus a smash spot they should be versus Houston a Houston terrible defense.
0: And this is what surprises me even further. The line on this game is minus 12 and a half in favor of San Francisco the overrunner set at 44. We just watched the Houston Texans beat the Chargers and this line is minus 12 and a half. Look, I don't think Vegas has any other information than we do. This this clearly states to me that Vegas thinks Jimmy Garoppolo is going to play. I can't see how this is a minus 12 and a half line if Trey Lance is out there. And by the way, give me Houston plus 12 and a half.
2: Yeah, um, I know we saw what we saw last week. Kind of Especially I'm still going to stick to the 49ers. I don't want to bet on this game at all, but if I'm going to bet, I would bet on the 49ers to cover.
0: Oof. Oof. Not reading the tea leaves there, sir. Not reading the tea leaves. All I want to do is take a quick break, though, and come back. We have more tea leaves to read, more matchup previews to get into. So, everybody, stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. One of the best sponsors of the show is named Symbol. That's S-I-M-B-U-L-L. Symbol, where Wall Street meets sports gambling in this innovative app. The Symbol brings the fun of being able to play for the long term by purchasing, selling, and trading stocks of your teams. When your teams win, you win a payout. Well, when they lose, you don't lose Money. The value of your team's share is all that matters, and it's easy to use. Just download the Symbol app on your Play Store and use the promo code MDSFANTASY for a $10 deposit of at least $10 or more. Join the fun of investing in your team for the long haul, where the Sportsbook Edge is put back into your hands as the player. For the latest and most fun in sports gambling, download Symbol and again, use the promo code Fantasy for your $10 deposit bonus today. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back in, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show streaming to you live on social media at Show. Subscribe to our YouTube channel to make sure you catch every single episode. Download us on your favorite pod streaming app to listen to us on your commute and fire us up on your Fire TV and Android devices when you download the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Amazon App Store. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mader. I'm joined here with Chris Dauhauer. Chris, we are in the last segment of the Week 17 Matchup Preview, the Championship Week. Let's make it good because we got to win some MD Nation. We got to win some championships this week. We're all desperate for one, Chris and I included. Don't you worry. And one of us... One of us will be a champion after this week, and one of us might 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 not be. Might start off the year 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 on a, on a sour note. Uh <clears throat> just throw this out there. I'm projected to win by like 20 points right now. And let's hope that stays the same. One of the reasons why I might project to win by even more is because of DeAndre Swift practicing in full today. Dun, 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 dun. Practicing limit capacity all last week. Didn't play. Danny Campbell comes out yesterday and says, hey we're going to shut down Swift when the season's over. If there's not more of an old school mentality, I don't know what the hell is, (laughs) but DeAndre Swift did come out practice in full today. We expect him to go. Here's the only question that I think needs to be answered. Do we think that he will be limited in his workload upon his return this week, Chris?
2: I mean, I don't know what the hell they're doing right now in Detroit. So, I would imagine he would be limited, but who knows with Dan Campbell, maybe he'll give him 50 touches. Um, I mean, I, I mean, last week kind of threw me a curveball where there was no reason I didn't understand why he didn't play last week, at least in a limited capacity. But since he didn't and he continues to practice, I guess they're trying to ramp him up to play, but for what? Um, so that is really concerning to me or interesting to me where I – if I'm a DeAndre Swift winner, I, I want to have him. All.
0: Chris, he's got things he needs to improve. I know. Oh. I, know. I,
2: I guess. I mean, I, I want to have in my lineup. Probably the only line on Detroit line I would be willing to have in my lineup, but I'm not excited as well I would be if I would have more clarity of kind of what's going on with him and what their kind of vision is.
0: The fact that he's practicing in full today on a Wednesday, I'm I'm playing him no matter what. He's an RB. He's at least, a, I do have an RB 22. So not like I have him like where he normally was when he was playing, just on the outside chance that, I mean, we know he's definitely at least going to split some touch with Jamal Williams, right? That was always the case throughout the year anyway, and Jamal Williams had 17 carries last week, but I do think DeAndre Swift will be looking at a full workload, let's say. I want to see what the weather's going to be like in Seattle, because that played a big part in that matchup last week uh, when Seattle played Chicago, but I do think he's going to be out there to have his full workload, because he's practicing in full, and this will be the second week that he's practicing, and with Dan Campbell and his comments, I'm just reading T leaves. I just don't see there being any any hinders as far as actual playing time goes. So I think you play DeAndre Swift if he's going to be out there. But unlike you, I am going to play Saint Brown too. He's at my wide receiver 19. I did rank these two guys playing as if they're going to be together anyway. Even when DeAndre Swift was getting six, seven, and he even had two games where he had double digit targets. There was always at least one other Detroit Lion pass catcher who was getting eight or more targets, too. Sometimes it was TJ Hawkinson. Sometimes it was Quintez Cephas early on. And we we saw, uh, who's the other guy? We saw Khalif Raymond a couple times. There's always been one other guy. We already know who that guy is. It's St. Brown because he's dominating the middle. There's no TJ Hawkinson to go forth. And he's a big reason why you got here in the first place. Jared Goff is dealing with a knee issue. That is worth watching. But the expectation is he's going to be able to play. And, he, you know, we know how much he loves the slot, especially now they have the rapport together. He's my wide receiver 19. There's no way I'm not playing him.
2: Yeah, I am I thought it was last week's show. I, we get to really see what happened with both these guys being active. I'm a believer that Swift's active. That kills St. Brown's value, particularly in this game. So I don't like St. Brown in this game myself.
0: Yeah, I think this week we'll finally get to actually get to see it play out, and uh, you'll be wrong. Uh, let's go to Seattle, though. Russell Wilson, I know it's Detroit's. He's a QB seventeen, though. I, I don't have him top sixteen, which means I don't even have him as a, as a streaming consideration. Uh you know, it, it's hard to, it's just hard to not consider Wilson in a in a spot like this. But how can you at the same time?
2: I mean, I think that's where all the quarterbacks are kind of all over the place. I mean, last week, if going into last week, Dak Prescott had just burned people back to back weeks. There was a lot of people who just don't want to play him, so they didn't. And then they wound up, you know, not advancing probably as a result of that. Russell Wilson is one of those guys that, if you're, you know, don't have a, a great option, you know, let's say you don't have a, a Tom Brady or you don't have a Justin Herbert or something like that to go with this week or Colin Murray, maybe you do look at him as an option because I do think that he has a chance to have a decent game this week.
0: There's a chance, but there's no way he's going to be my championship lineup for me to see what happens there. I will play, we talked about this, I will play DK Metcalf. He's my wide receiver, 22 in the week. Again, Detroit is playing with their backup secondary at the moment. And then Tyler Locke is the guy that you feel good about. He comes in my wide receiver, 15. Last week, I know he didn't really get involved, but there was strange weather. Again, another receiver, another example of a guy getting activated off of COVID late in the week, didn't play his normal plethora of snaps. But if you saw anything from Russell Wilson, he needs a guy to go to over the middle. Who was the big receiver last week? It was Gerald Everett the guy who's operating over the middle of the field. That's where Tyler Lockett's going to be in a nice match against Detroit. Do you have any fears of Lockett not producing this week?
2: I mean, you always have a fear that he might not produce because his offense can be so inconsistent, especially with Tyler Lockett. But having said that, I think that he's definitely a guy you're starting this week.
0: Rashad Penny's the big one. Rashad Penny has gotten people to championships. He's about RB16. I expect that to keep going against Detroit. You love the matchup. You love the usage. As long as they're in a... Neutral or pro game script, Rashad Penny's getting the work. Do you disagree?
2: No, not at all. I think that ECD does kind of get the pass-catching thing, but you see Rashad Penny be the preferred running back, and it has been effective to it in the last three games, so I think there's just no reason that should just, you know go away. Chicago without Hicks can't really stop the run right now either, so he's got a good spot. Well, Definitely. We'll, we're
0: back to Detroit. They, they played. i sorry, not Detroit. Detroit. I'm sorry, not Chicago. they um, yeah, I know. I mean, that's motto. I get it.
2: <laughs> no, but you're right. Um, no, but Detroit is a team that has struggled the whole season for stopping their run. So I think it's an excellent opportunity for Sean Penny to kind of continue his his you know good end of the season.
0: Uh, I'm guessing because they don't know about Jared Goff's status as of right now. This game is actually not up live on the book for me to talk about betting wise. I don't know if you have anything from earlier. Uh, Uh,
2: It was Seattle by seven. The line was 42.
0: Okay. Uh, I would take Seattle by seven, by the way, in Seattle. Just because their defense has been kind of tough. And I know Detroit's been keeping games close. But I do think between Rashad Penny and Tyler Lockett playing a full more plethora of snaps, I do think Seattle takes care of business at home after the, the abysmal, you know, loss last week against Chicago when they came back from behind—I don't see that happening twice. So I do think Seattle takes care of business at home. What, what about you?
2: I, I tend to agree. I think that when you look at Detroit, what they're trying to be as a physical, grinded-out team. Seattle—that's what—that's Pete Carroll's probably gets like a hard on tonight, thinking about this game. So I think he's actually ex- very really excited to have a low-scoring game. They can kind of <laughs> play with more talent than actually the other team they're playing against. So I think Seattle is going to be able to, you know, grind this game out.
0: I think Dan's a, a Detroit fan here saying we'll roll over Seattle. Hey, you know what? You might because they've been playing pretty good football and then surprising a lot of people. I'm not going to blow past it, but I I don't think it'll happen to this game as far as actually making some money off of it. Some about the Rams and the Baltimore Ravens. So <laughs> that game last week for Cincinnati was Insane. And for Baltimore, I mean, could there be worse timing to play the Rams team right now after that who could pretty much do the same thing to you that Cincinnati could do? (laughs) Uh, I don't want to bury the lead, though. And the lead is this. Cam Akers is a freak. How the hell... He's practicing full today, Chris, in full, in full on a Wednesday. He blew his Achilles in the summertime. He's back in five months practicing in full, going to at least be the number two running back on the depth chart behind Sonny Michelle with Darrell Henderson on the IR now. Now, I don't know how much he's going to play, or if at all. It'll be more than five snaps. I'd be shocked. But I will say this. Even if he plays one snap, I think he should at least be a candidate for comeback player of the year because it's insane. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's absolutely incredible what he's been able to do. But this guy's kind of showing you that you know, modern med- medicine is really different, like being a game changer. And for him in particular, um, I think one of the things that's interesting about him is Cam Akers has been injured kind of often throughout his, his career. Yeah, injured in college, a major injury, a major injury in, in high school as well. Both uh, One was his Achilles, one was his knee towards ACL, and came back for, relatively quick for both those as well. So he must be a fast healer and must be also kind of prepared to do what he needs to do to get rehab because he must be, in a sense, used to it. You see a lot of guys kind of have a hard time getting adjusted and, you know, failing their confidence again in their legs. He doesn't seem to have that kind of same issue. And it's just remarkable he can be back out there. kind of remember Adrian Peterson a few years ago where he kind of bounced back real quick off his ACL tear.
0: Yeah. You're playing Stafford, obviously. He's my QB2 in the week. I know he was disappointing last week. I would not anticipate he's disappointing two weeks in a row. In fact, if anything, I think they'll make a point to get the offensive passing attack going in this game because the passing attack in general, outside of Cooper Cup, per usual, was disappointing last week. We got a comment here coming about, you know, what happened to Van Jefferson. I'm with you, Dan. I had Van Jefferson in the league that wound up costing me because he only had the one catch for six yards. But what happened... Nothing really Matthew happened. Stafford. <laughs> right, Matthew, Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford happened. Happen. Matthew Stafford didn't have a good game. He didn't have the game we would expect in a very juicy match against Minnesota. That's what happened. He still played the same amount of snaps. He still, he still ran the same amount of routes at six targets. That's something you usually take out of a wide receiver. His quarterback just wasn't good. And that's why I still have Van Jefferson as a wide receiver 36. He's still a flex play. He's still in my wide receiver three conversation. Now, OBJ, I have a little more confidence in. And the reason is because when they get into the red zone, if it's not Cooper Cup, there seems to be an emphasis on looking for OBJ. So there's he has more of a touchdown floor, and that's why he comes in a wide receiver twenty-five for me this week. But I feel fine playing all the Rams. Van Jefferson, you want to look at him as more of a boom or bust option? That's fine, but they are all playable options outside of you know the main ones of Sony Michelle, Matthew Stafford, and Cooper Cup, and even Tyler Higby. I have it tight in eleven again. It goes back to comparative routes run, comparative targets. He's the guy that you can play there as a streaming option too. I mean, Chris, is there anybody you're, just, you're staying away from?
2: I'm not as, I might not put Higmead in my lineup because I, I agree with you. He's a decent matchup on paper. I think it's going to be hard for all those guys necessarily to kind of eat. I think the receivers have had the best chance to kind of eat in this game. I think you're going to see a bounce back as well from them. I mean, Matthew Stafford's in a smash spot. And I think all those guys have been very successful last week. Versus a Vikings defense is very similar to where you know the Ravens are where they can't stop anybody in the passing attack. But Matthew Stafford just played really horribly. As long as he doesn't play bad again this game, there's no reason that these receivers all can't eat. I just be a little bit worried about Higby because he seems to be kind of more of an inconsistent guy this, this year, just in general for that offense.
0: Yeah, as far as production goes, I mean, you like the usage that he's had. It just hasn't equaled into big box scores. Let's move over to Baltimore. So Lamar Jackson was able to practice an Olympic capacity today. That's a good sign, but not a definitive sign that he will definitely be able to play it on Sunday as of yet. We got to watch how this thing progresses. Tyler Huntley is expected to come off the COVID 19 list tomorrow, according to John Harbaugh. So the idea is if Lamar Jackson can't go, it will be Tyler Huntley. So we won't, we're not expecting one way or another to see Josh Johnson this week. Although I have to say this Josh Johnson did very well. At, he, did very, he did very admirable for a guy who was. Coming off a practice squad, hasn't even been with the team the whole year, and he just did what everybody wants any Ravens quarterback to do, get Mark Andrews the ball and call it a day. So I have to give him kudos for that. If Jackson plays, I do have a QB 12. I have to imagine if he plays, then he is, let's say, 75% of his mobile self. And in a game in which I expect the Rams to score, as we've stated, I think he's going to have to do quite a bit as far as fantasy production goes, even if it's in garbage time, if he's out there, are you going to play him or are you just going to look elsewhere?
2: Yeah, this is a kind of weird situation. I was talking about this yesterday's show that I'd actually be the most confident starting the backup quarterbacks for the Ravens than actually starting Lamar Jackson this week. I think the backups are guys you feel really good about Lamar. I'm a little nervous about, I'm, I continue to kind of monitor and follow along. You talked about, you know, follow us along on Twitter. Um, he had a noticeable limp there reporting from practice today. While he returned, he said he was limping pretty pretty badly. And if Lamar Jackson can't run, this Raven offensive line can't pass protect. That's not a good matchup for him going against an Aaron lot led defense. So I would have some concerns if he's not looking like he's mobile enough to kind of make things happen. So I would definitely pay attention to that. If it's reported that he's maybe like 80% and he's, you know, the limp's kind of going away as, this, as the week kind of progresses – then I would have him in there. But if you're still hearing he's limping around by Saturday, there's no way I'm putting Lamar Jackson my lap this week.
0: If he's still limping around by Saturday, I don't think he'd play. So I don't think fantasy owners would have to make that decision. I don't think the Ravens would do that. And Hopefully that would be the case. In which case, though, let's piggyback off of that real quick. Would you play Tyler Huntley if he's the quarterback? Yes. Yeah, I agree with you. I started, I
2: started how long I start Josh Johnson. Any the backups I would start with in, in a heartbeat. <laughs> Lamar's the one I'm worried about because uh, rushing do is very this? important. As a Mark
0: Andrews owner, I kind of want to see the backups right now because they seem to just be able to hit Mark Andrews and stride better than Lamar Jackson was even doing anyway. So <laughs> either way, though, you love Mark Andrews heading into this game. I guess the question becomes whether it's Lamar Jackson, Josh Johnson, or Tyler Huntley, can you play a Marquise Brown? Now he's a wide receiver 21 for me, but honestly. If it's not Lamar Jackson, I probably will move him down to being more of a boomer bust wide receiver three than a wide receiver two. Yeah, I mean, you saw the kind of the usage
2: kind of change for this offense in general. Mark Andrews kind of becoming that receiver one for this offense, even when Lamar was still out there. Marky's got, you know, Marky Brown's kind of phased out in the second half of the season as it's kind of progressed. Um, but I still think he's somebody you like to have in your lineup. I think he's definitely a good option. Definitely a strong receiver three at, at worst. But I think still be receiver two option in your lineups this week.
0: I'm going to call this a lock bet of the week. Another one. The Rams are only minus three and a half favorites. Now they're on the road to go into Baltimore. But Ravens, they don't have anything left on defense. They lost another corner this week, too, by the way, to injury. They got nothing left. There's no way in my mind the Rams do not cover a minus three and a half line with the way these two teams, the status that they're in right now.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm trying to figure out what Vegas knows that I don't know because this 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 number just threw me a loop. I was the one kind of preaching last week, you know, hold on to the Ravens because they have pride and he went out and kind of shoved that up at my ass. Uh, Joe Burrow went off for 500 yards. <laughs> so when I look at the Rams, I think they're more of a superior talent in the team going into Baltimore. I know it's you know, the Rams don't travel as well to the East Coast necessarily, historically, but I can't see that they can only be favored by three. So I say yes, the Rams by three, but I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop because Vegas must have some kind of insight that we're not getting a, a taste of.
0: No, I think, honestly, I think what they're doing is that people are reacting to the idea that Lamar Jackson's going to be back this week and therefore this game is going to be closed. And I think they're trying to reflect that in the line. I'm telling you guys, this is one of those games where you jump on this game now ahead of time and take advantage of what is a great line, which will change the second Lamar Jackson does not play. Or even if he does, I still think they don't cover this game at minus three anyway. But let's move into the Sunday night game. This is a Sunday night game, right? Minnesota and Green Bay. Yeah, that's the Sunday night game. So Dava Cook's back. Now we talked about this before. The COVID situation has seemingly affected the wide receivers more than the running backs. And again, kind of like the Brandon Cooks thing, with Dava Cook being back today, He's going to get a few days of practice in, so I'm not as worried about it anyway. Are you, are you for Dalvin Cook heading into this week?
2: No, I think you, you're definitely playing Dalvin Cook if you have him this week available to you.
0: Well, and I, I think not just are you playing him, but I have him in my RB3. Do you expect the same ceiling?
2: Absolutely. When we saw this guy come back, well, it was a couple of weeks ago and have over 200 yards versus Pittsburgh fresh off an IR, so there's no reason I think that he had two weeks to kind of, Whether I'm not really worried about his win per se, I think he's going to be fine.
0: All right. Uh, Obviously you're playing Justin Jefferson. He's my wide receiver. Three Adam Thielen done for the year, having thumb ending season ending surgery. So KJ Osborne gets to go back as that number two role. He's been up and down in that role. I do have my wide receiver 32, kind of a boom or bust option, but this is a game in which I'm expecting some points to be scored. I do have a caveat though. It's a primetime game. Kirk Cousins sucks in primetime games so that's that's the point where he could be the bust side of things but chris do you have any confidence in playing a kj osborne against green bay who does have jay alexander coming back by the way
2: um i don't have a whole lot of confidence i think that maybe if you're in a ppr league maybe you do the receiver three but i'm not really excited to play kj osborne i know it's kind of opened up with Adam Thielen feeling there um but this green bay secondary has been pretty good especially rachel douglas as of late i mean you hear Aaron Rodgers just giving this guy enough of my kudos to my he's a superstar out there. And you talk about like Jerry Jerry Exile in their back. That way to tax this green bay team is through the on the ground, not through the air necessarily. So I don't really love K.J. Osborne this week as an option.
0: Okay. Kirk Cousins on paper. He he has to be a streaming option just because of the points that can be scored in this week. He's my QB thirteen. I hope you have 12 other better because I don't know if I could ever trust Kirk Cousins. I might move him down a little bit because of this. I don't know if I could trust him in a primetime game. I just don't know if I could do it ever in any scenario, even if the matchup is good. You
2: No, I 100% agree with you. I think that's why I couldn't have him in my top 15 this week. I think, like I said, I think green Bay's better versus the past than they are versus the run. And Kirk Cousins has historically been terrible on primetime
0: games, but my numbers tell me to do it. Cause he usually does have decent games against green Bay. The problem is that this is a Sunday night game, and that's it shouldn't be a quantified thing, but it is in his case. On the Packers side, it's pretty simple, right? Aaron Rodgers, your top five quarterback. You're not moving off of that. Devontae Adams, the top two receiver. The good news with Aaron Jones is that he practicing limited capacity today. Remember, he got a little bit hobbled at the end of that game on Christmas Day, but the fact that he's practicing in limited capacity today, pretty good sign he'll be available. Last two weeks in a row has operated ahead of A.J. Dillon. Minnesota, of course, a great matchup for running backs. So I'm not going to be concerned about playing Aaron Jones, who I have at RB13. And A.J. Dillon is still going to be a flex consideration for me.
2: Yeah, I, agree. I 100% agree. You saw Aaron Jones get about 64% of the snaps last week. Um, we've seen A.J. Dillon kind of get taken back a little bit back in the passing game, or backseat in the passing game, I should say, more of a late number out outs run. Uh, but it's basically still between a 60, 40, 50 50 split, depending on kind of the game flow. I think just the game sets up well for both of those guys to be options. I think that I would have both of my lineups this week. And I feel Aaron Jones is a number, a receiver two, a running back two, I should say. I think AJ Dillon is a, a, a definitely a good flex option.
0: All right, let's talk about the Minnesota Vikings and the Green Bay Packers as far as betting goes. The Packers are favorite at home, minus six and a half, over under set at 47 and a half. Packers have had a hard time covering lately. But I do think, again, this goes back to the Cousins thing. I do think they cover this week at 6.5 over the Minnesota Vikings.
2: I do not. I think it's going to be closer than that. I do think they're going to win, but I don't think they're going to cover.
0: Okay, that'll be interesting. Let's get in that Monday night game. We had a question earlier about covering the Browns and the Steelers. I'm not sure why because there's not much to cover here. Browns, Nick Chubb, love them. RB6, I don't expect Kareem Hunt to play this game. Um He's back off the COVID list, but he's still dealing with the calf issue. So I don't think that's going to go away this week. I do expect him to have the backfield to himself. He is an RB1. Is there a pass catch, pass catch, excuse me, like Jarvis, like Jarvis Landry, you might be playing. Yeah, I think Jarvis Landry
2: can be in your discussion for the receiver three option. Um, he's, he's been all over the place this season, but I think he's a guy you could definitely consider playing, um, everybody else, I'm not touching. And a lot of people like People's Jones, kind of like the upside opportunity for him, for, especially for a Pittsburgh team that gives up big plays. But I would not bank on that, and I would not take that chance in Championship Week myself.
0: As I try to stop dying here. <clears throat> okay, I swear I'm not crying. <laughs> <laughs>
2: He's a, he's emotional right now. He, he's Ben's last home game. He's trying to he's trying to pull himself <clears throat> together to talk about what he thinks about Pittsburgh, what they can do moving forward. It was a tough
0: 2021. It was a tough
2: 2021.
0: <laughs> yeah. Talk about Pittsburgh for me. Najee Harris, Deontay Johnson, where are you?
2: Yeah. When we talk about Pittsburgh, you basically start off with those two guys you kind of mentioned. Najee Harris got back on track last week, got kind of back to that RB1 potential. I think you have basically a guy that you can hope to have RB2 production at least RB3 production because it's the sheer volume that he gets. I don't love the upside for him this week because Cleveland is pretty good against the run, um, has been pretty good as a running back position in general. And for Pittsburgh to be able to move the ball a whole lot versus front four, front seven, I should say. Um, I think that you look at Deontay Johnson, I think he's basically one of the safer guys you can have in your lineup. Even having a quote unquote off crappy week last week. Um, you know, he still scored a touchdown, still was productive, probably one of the few receivers outside of Cooper Cup right now and maybe hunt to run further. you can hunt your lineup week in, week out, and you know, you get a guaranteed floor, if not some upside, you don't necessarily have the big play opportunities for him this year, but you love that. He's always been involved in this offense. That shouldn't change at all this week.
0: Pat Freermuth. If he's able to go and back from concussion, are you going to stream him? I have a tight end 16. So he's in that conversation. He's been a touchdown guy, but the Browns have been tough against tight ends.
2: They have been. And I think Pat Freermuth is one of those guys that just another name you can kind of throw into the list of guy we talked about in the, outside of top You know, tier guys, again, um, whether it's him, whether it's a Cole Clement, whether it's a Tyler Conklin, whether it's a Hunter Henry, I think all these guys, you're really kind of expecting very similar opportunities. Do you want volume or do you want touchdown protection? I think Vermouth gives you that touchdown protection you can kind of look for. So if you're desperate, I think you can play him, but it's not somebody I think you have to play. As
0: far as betting this game goes, Cleveland Browns are actually favored on the road in Pittsburgh at minus three. Give me Pittsburgh plus three. I am not going to take Baker Mayfield on the road with the way he's playing right now to actually win a game. There's no way. I don't care how bad Pittsburgh has looked. They've won ugly in the past. They've won ugly, especially at home. It's a perfect game that they can actually win ugly in. And I will still take old man Ben over our Baker Mayfield. So give me the Steelers plus three. Give them the Steelers to win this game outright.
2: Yeah, this is a game that I want no part of. I hope that you're right, but I think Nick Chubb can single-handedly win this game by himself for Cleveland or because that Pittsburgh defense is so... Unless he rushed so for 200 yourself. yards, how can he? Rush 100 he
0: rushed for 200 yards and a touchdown, and They still lost.
2: I think he could run for 200 yards. I mean, Dalvin Cook did. Why not him?
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 a valid point. <laughs> that's going to do it for the show, guys. Uh, it was tremendous. It was heading into Week 17, again, heading into our championship weeks. We are going to be back tomorrow at 9 o'clock for the DFS contest and lock bets of week 17 with Chaz already joining the show. We'll even be able to announce our December giveaway. Of course, we had a week 16 winner as well. We'll be kicking off our January contest tomorrow, actually, because uh, you know, when comes Sunday, it'll be January. So we'll have a giveaway for that for ChampionshipFootballS.com. Of course, the contest will always be free. We'll give away easy sports betting data throughout the playoffs If you have any questions, make sure you're hitting us up on social media at BillyUpMDFFShow. Subscribe to us on YouTube so you catch every single episode. You can go back and watch this episode for more advice that you'll need throughout the week. You can do the same thing when you download us on your favorite pod streaming app and fire us up on your Fire TV devices and and Android devices when you search for the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Amazon App Store. I'm your host, Dan Maynard. Joining me by Chris Dauhauer. We'll see you guys again tomorrow night.